Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cocktails and Comics. I believe this is round three. Correct. And I am joined... Four? No, three. You're correct. Three. Sorry. Yeah, three, three. No, three, um, sir. <laughs> <laughs> We've already had too much to drink. Um, we just pull a plug. Uh, I am joined, as always, by my compatriots in in, uh, in battle here. Uh, hello, Brian. Hello, Hello, John. Hey there. And hello, Tim. Hello. <laughs> I hear your screaming goat, John, and I raise you. A screaming, a screaming goat. goat. <laughs> Man, do we have a lot of stuff to talk about, and I'm going to give you guys an advanced preview before we have our little um, end-of-the-week banter. Um, we're going to be touching on the just-announced Justice League Snyder Cut release date that just came out today. We're going to talk about, um, and not give anything away, but just give our general impressions on WandaVision, the brand new Disney Plus um, series. We are going to talk uh, about Mandalorian Season 2, which wrapped up, uh, what, about a month ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we'll have a little banter about Godzilla vs. King Kong trailer, the heavily anticipated uh, follow-up to Godzilla King of the Monsters movie. And then we're going to talk about comic stuff. Uh, First, we'll touch on Marvel Heroes Reborn 2021 edition. Uh, We'll talk about X-Men Legends, which is a brand new series coming out. And then uh, we'll just have a uh, a little back and forth on some modern comics that have recently been read uh, by the group here. So with that, man, what a week. This has been like the longest week ever for me personally. Just work-wise, it's been crazy. The kids, you know, we're deep in the winter here and they're starting to amp up the the attitude because they can't go outside, (laughs) play whenever they want for as long as they want. And it's been a rough one, guys. Well, how much snow do you have, uh, David? We've got a pretty good amount. Um, we got six more inches on uh, last Sunday. It's supposed to snow tomorrow, which is great because uh, the kids, we've got a big berm in our backyard, and so the kids uh, go down the berm on inner tubes. And, of course, being the dad, I don't really care too much about their personal <laughs> safety. I mean, I do, but I don't. Uh, so I make them little jumps and ramps at the end because the berm is so tall that I have to actually make something to kind of slow them down. Otherwise, you end up catching them because they'll go down the berm, gather speed, go across the entire yard, and bounce off the fence. You you keep saying berm. For the listeners at home, you mean a hill? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Is it berm a Midwestern thing? It must be. I've never heard that. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I, I I was born in Minnesota, and I even lived in Boston. I've not heard that term. Well, I'm happy to uh, expand your vocabulary. <laughs> so how about for you guys? Brian, how's your week been? It's been a lot of work, a lot of stress. I, I need this. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, you know, it, 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 before we started recording, I was fussing about my... Um, my alcohol situation because uh, I'm not really getting to getting the full effect of alcohol tonight. I'm stuck with beer because uh, apparently I had an old alcohol bottle 
uh, bottle of triple sec that um, turned to syrup. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the Michelob Ultra tonight. Thank you very much. <laughs> but you know what? There's plenty of that. Well, there you go. I know uh, around here you can get liquor delivered to your house because of COVID. Which mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> it's not well. a bad thing. I mean, they, I, I'm, I'm for the most part the dot-com guy when it comes to shopping for everything at home. I could not leave the house uh, if, if I wanted to. And, and in, for most, in most cases, I do. Except, of course, that uh, someone took a crowbar to the community mailbox here now, so I can't get yeah. regular mail. I have to drive oh, out to the stop to pick pick up my letter mail. But um, all packages still get delivered, which is great. So, like, uh, David sent a nice care package out this week that I received, and uh, that was that was uh, very nice. Thank you. Yeah, very much appreciated. We'll talk more about that later. But, uh, Absolutely. I definitely wanted to... To give you a huge thanks, uh, quite and I, nice. And I want to, and I should have done this in our last show, I think, but I want to kind of do a public shout out to uh, Andy Leyland. Uh, a couple weeks ago, he sent me uh, John Byrne's book, Whipping Boy. Just, he had it in his collection, didn't want it anymore, and asked if I wanted it, and I said, sure. And he paid to have it shipped over here, so uh, oh. that's a, that was, I haven't had a chance to read it, but I want to raise my glass okay. to Andy and say thank you. Since it comes from England, do you have to read it from back to front? <laughs> it's not it's not manga. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> just, they, just, they just spell color with a U, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> and Gaber and... Well, well you know, probably those, does that anyway, so... <laughs> well, you know, those packages got to you pretty quick, and uh, uh, it must be because of all those rate hikes, John, over the last couple of years for packages from our dear, dear post office... Scott Gardner was just commenting that it's on uh, Facebook about uh, the post office jacking their prices. I I could spend an hour talking about that as a small business owner, <laughs> but we, we just had another rate increase, and it's like, my gosh. John, when will it end? Send all complaints put- to John. Yeah, yeah. As we know, John Hyatt is the postmaster general. That's right. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it sounds like John is not just drinking over there, but it also sounds like he might be smoking a little something. Is that right? <laughs> no, I don't smoke. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Maybe not smoke. Maybe. Hey, that's old- that's so old-fashioned. Now it's all edibles. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's edibles. It's all edibles. Yeah. I do not partake. And vapes. And vapes. Yeah. All the kid, all the kids vape. Well, that's a big thing here in Vegas because because. Uh, it's legal here that it's all you know the people that are the casual you know the, now that it's legal it's like oh I can try it uh, it's all edibles it's candy bars and cookies mm-hmm. and uh, gummy bears and things like that they're not actually smoking anything they're just buying something they can munch on but that's, want- that's kind of dangerous because the dosage in those yeah. is kind of high isn't it? They, yeah Fanula bought a um, <laughs> she never used it. She never, she she's, she wanted to try it. And she bought a candy bar, and never ate it, and it went bad in the oh, fridge. God. But they told her, you know, just take one little square first. You know, if you're not, you know, it's your first time, take one little square. Don't overdo it because they say a lot of people will will eat it and they think they should get a reaction right away, and so, so they eat, eat more, they eat more of it, and then suddenly it hits right. them. And Next you know, thing you know, they're stripping on the strip. Yeah, there, there are just <laughs> some people that cannot handle their high. And I mean, I, I remember 
well, I, I'm not going to name names, but I remember in my youth, someone that I, I found could not handle their high. And uh, they went all like uh, just total uh, <laughs> paranoid. <laughs> Spiders on the walls and people watching them. Yeah, taking hey. a shower in her clothes. Um, oh, wow. Unusual. That's weird. But, That's really yeah, weird. I mean, again, you know, it's not for everybody. I personally have never ever tried it. I mean, I don't like smoking anyway, but um, I, I'd never ever tried tried it before. Uh, but I'm not I'm not close to it, you know. And again, with with the edibles, it'd be more amenable to it. I think that's uh, the just, that makes I, it more I, mainstream. I know that if I went to Colorado or Las Vegas, someplace where I could get it, the moment that I came back, my job would ask me to submit for a drug test. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you want to be smoking up in Vegas or taking edibles. You could uh, burn through your cash reserves. Yeah, yeah, because it's not it's not cheap. I mean, that, that stuff's not cheap. I'll no, I'm just up. saying, if yeah. you're high, and oh, yeah. like, oh, I'll put another <laughs> twenty in this machine. It's gonna pay off. I know it, man. I just I'll stick mm. with the booze, which which here in Vegas you can buy twenty four seven. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. You know the the, only, the one of the big takeaways because my wife and I used to go to Vegas every year. This is before kids, before our lives are ruined. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're um, your super villains. Oh, yeah, this week they were. My goodness. Lucky you can't uh, can't sell humans on Craigslist or eBay. Um, You're going to the wrong site. But oh, I'm oh, yeah. That's, that that's the dark web. <laughs> the dark web, yeah. <laughs> um, when we stayed at the Aria, which we've stayed at tons of, you know, the resorts like the MGM and the Bellagio and the Wynn and um, the Aria actually pumps in a vanilla scent. I think it's like a proprietary blend that they have in the whole place, from the casino to you know the hallways. Okay, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they've got a new co- uh, new uh, casino that does just finished, and I can't think of the name of it. But it's uh, they've actually got two that they're just finishing off, which is a which is weird, kind of a weird time to be building a casino. Right. So we can go into them, but um, yeah. They're hopeful that all this stuff's going to bounce back. Well, it will. I mean, it's yeah. going to be by the end of this year before yeah. things start to get to normal. But yeah, I used to drag I'm my wife normal. to the Imperial Palace because they had that car museum there. And she was bored, you know, after like five years, you know, and, and me always wanting to go there because they'd always change out cars. I think the Imperial Palace is gone now. I think they imploded I, it. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not a, like a, kind of sort of what's on the strip but i don't i did see your post that you uh, you guys went out and did a little gambling um, we did i thought that's what you said oh no yeah i said we tried our hands at the slots we went to a slot canyon a little oh. play a little play on words there Fanula said nobody's going to get that. It's yeah, you know, from you know, I, I can't she help but right. I. Well, right. I I, I can't help but I can't help but write headlines when I'm doing stuff like that. Mm. But we get we did snow. We went. I went and saw some snow. We're going to go to Red Rock tomorrow, uh, and hopefully there's still some snow up there. John, how was your week? Shuffling packages around. <laughs> um. It was a pretty good week. I mean, I don't do that, but um, yeah, no, it was a 
That's beneath him. Yeah. <laughs> what? I said that's beneath you. <laughs> no. I told you I did do that for 20 years. Um, so I have done that. Um, but yeah, no, we, uh, we're, we're doing good here because we, we got rain on um, Monday, Sunday, Monday, and then we just got rain all day today. So we're really happy about that. And um, she, um, I, I was telecommuting today and um, my desk setup is out on our sunroom and it decided to hail and I was on a meeting at that time and I was like, oh my <laughs> wow. god, I could not hear anything. I had to unplug and drag the computer quickly into the other room. But uh, it was a lot of fun. It was nice. Cool. So yeah, things are going good. That's good. I'm looking forward to talk about stuff today, um, some of the things that we got going on. And just in case, um, people, this will not be a spoiler-free. There will probably be spoilers, so... But we'll, we'll try to, like we talk about Mando, we'll try to say, hey, spoilers and yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else. If you else, haven't seen we'll... Mando, Mandalorian yet and you care, um, there might be some spoilers. So. Yeah. But well, there won't be for one division because not everyone's all caught up. So. I have not caught up on that. And I, I was spoiled on the, the thing, you know, the big spoiler on Mando. I didn't know about it. I just kept hearing about it. People kept saying, don't, mm-hmm. don't wait, you know, because you'll get spoiled. Don't right. wait. Just watch it. Yeah. And I, at that time, I wasn't subscribed to Disney Plus, so I wasn't watching it. And then somehow it, I kind of pieced it together by seeing stuff online, yeah. online about it, it what it was. Take, so it doesn't take much to figure it out. No, once they, once even, they, even, they drop, even when the people are not doing it on purpose, it's just like, oh, okay. Right when it, when it kind of dropped some names, I went, oh, okay, that must be the big thing. Okay, so but it, it still didn't diminish the scene. It was still cool. Yeah, yeah. What do you guys? Well, we, since, I'll bet this real quick. Uh, since you're in there in, in uh, California, John, what uh, if anybody cares about the Disney uh, Disney Disneyland has stopped their uh, yearly passes? Uh, yeah, I don't have yearly passes, but yeah, they've. Uh, and that apparently has not gone over well with um, the folks. That yeah, a lot of people are upset. I'm pretty sure that Disney will bring them back. I, I, I think so too. They're probably losing money by having to extend them right. for another year and stuff like that. So they said, "Screw it, we're just we're just going to cut it out." Um, but I, I would imagine that they, they they know that it's a really good money maker because I mean, come on. Um, how many people can actually use them all that much that probably buy them? And I'm sure it's a pretty good money maker. So. Well, they said they were, they were. One, they said they were doing it to try to control the crowds coming into the park because, mm-hmm. and they were afraid that the people that were using them. I mean, somebody like you, John, you're you're sure what about two hours from. Two Anaheim, hours. Two hours, Manhattan. My so you- neighbors have uh, my neighbors have had the the yearly the annual passes, and they go up, you know two to three times a year just for like a few hours. They yeah. They they have an RV, so they go up there, they park in the RV park, they go wander for a couple hours, and then they they leave and come back the next day. You know, um, so right, and I think that's what they were saying. The people that don't, they're not spent, they're not checking into hotels, so they're not getting that money. They are just kind of going a for the day or coming back or like you say you can maybe go to the RV park so they're I think they're afraid they're not making any money on that but if you're going more often you're certainly spending money on food and uh, toys and clothing and things like that you as opposed think. to you know somebody like well, yeah you know they've got to go in and they've got to eat while they're there mm-hmm. and you know any of the other stuff so I mean their son has grown up now but I mean, they had the pass when he was little, so they would always take him up too. And so, yeah, you know, I'm sure people do, but yeah, yeah 
Six Flags I, does the same thing here in Texas. Like they got Six Flags in Arlington, and you can get the um, the annual pass. You know, you pay for it monthly, and it gives you access to the park and a flash pass so that you can get ahead in line. And you get the you can buy the meal pass also on there. Um, basically, if you're doing it on a monthly thing for uh, four people, it's about a hundred and fifty dollars a month. That's not wow. that's not that's not terrible. I mean, I think the Disney and, passes were about twelve hundred bucks, which is not terrible if you're going a lot. Right. And if you go. Yeah. yeah. Once the pandemic kicked in, you know, everybody started raising cane because like we we actually got that here and Christopher and I were able to go one time last year before everything really, you know, went to went to pieces. And, you know, I, I called in and said, What are you guys gonna do? And they said, you know, nothing. We're not doing anything, you know. I said, okay, well, then I'd like to discontinue and get my money back. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> wow. And then a couple days later, they changed the story and basically mm-hmm. said, well, go ahead and pause mm-hmm. all memberships until next March. Well, that helps. That way they don't, they don't have to give you the money back, but you still get right. the, the full use out of your pass. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so basically, you, you know, they'll, they're, they're just, you know, the, the park and everything closed for a while. And it opened back up. If anybody wanted to go in, they could. But everything was limited, and you know half the rides weren't even running. So there was really no point in going in there. You know, Chris couldn't get onto anything he wanted to get on, and and you know everything else that you could get on, you had to ride every fourth seat. And so it just isn't worth it now until oh. things you know kind of clear up. So starting back in March, they'll start charging again. And if you want to continue your membership, then you can, or you can take, I think you're going to get like four months back anyway. Yeah. Uh, so even if you cancel your membership, you've got four months that you can use, but you have to start doing that in March. So and, before, before, I'm sorry, that was rude. Well, no, I'm just, you know, it, it, it's, you know, they're, they're just trying to find ways around it. But, you know, the thing is, is like, they don't have the money to give back. Right. Us because, you know, they went into deficit spending just like all the other, you know, mm-hmm. major businesses uh, when when all this went on. Except for the post office. <laughs> well, <laughs> post office got limited by somebody that was trying to make sure that we people couldn't vote. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ooh, did I, I don't go? Want, I, don't, I don't want to have to put another political disclaimer <laughs> at yeah. the beginning. <laughs> oh, I, I, I would rather not entertain that because... Um, our employees were working far too damn hard to um, to let you get away with that now. Agreed. All of our employees worked their asses off to make sure that all of those ballots were delivered and all of these packages are getting delivered. It's just COVID has affected us just as much as every other person and business in this country. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we're dealing with the, the absenteeism and just as much as everyone else. And then we're dealing with getting slammed with parcels because everyone is shopping from home and right. I, I don't care what armchair and not you Brian but other armchair people are saying it's like no we couldn't have predicted this and foreseen it and put a, a process in the place that was going to do it so um, yeah it's just it's everything is overwhelmed and, and our people are working obscene amounts of hours uh, to their and working hard seven days a week so yeah no doubt i mean i i gave you crap but yeah I, and i was I, I i i don't put anything against the post post office no there. 
uh, you know, I was just making the comment because it was, you know, politically funny for me to say it. Uh, <laughs> that's well, and, yeah, but the, rea- the, the reality for the post office, and, and John, I'm not saying anything that you don't already know, is, um, you know, there there is very low turnover. Like, you know, the mail lady, we had a mail lady when we lived in a different city, and we've got a mail lady here. But, you know, she, she was delivering packages till 7, 8 o'clock at night because there was such, you know, volume. And this was someone who, like, you could set your watch. But, you know, she'd be here at 11.01 every morning, you know, picking up the packages and dropping off mail for the day. And, um, you know, that just shows, you know, how much volume they were pushing. And hopefully it puts a spotlight on I I know a lot of people, it's kind of like, going to the bank, you know, people are like, oh, you know, I don't want to go to the post office. <laughs> yeah. But, that, but that's all staffing related because it doesn't matter what post office you walk into, there's like one guy or one gal working and there's 15 people in line. You know, it, I don't and know. It, I it kind of is like a grocery it. store, though. You try to staff and then everyone comes at different times. You right. know, you've gone to a grocery store and you're like, oh, there's only two lanes open and, you know, what's going on? <laughs> so we're trying. Yeah. So, so what's on our agenda? Let's move on. I don't. I want to talk about <laughs> John, TV. No, and let's stuff. talk. Let's talk more about the post office. Yeah. <laughs> um, and my well, second year in a row rate increase. Uh, let's talk some Justice League. Uh, Dave, you brought that up, and and uh, but the Zack Snyder cut. Yeah. So it was announced today that the Zack Snyder, the long-awaited Zack Snyder cut, which the long-awaited long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the funny thing, right? Is that so? Uh, earlier this year, there was discussion, and, and it was announced that it would be released as episodes because his cut was going to be four plus hours, and that they were going to release them in like one hour, roughly chunks. Well, now we find out that nope, that's not the case. They're going to release it as a four-hour movie or whatever it ends up being, and the release date is March 18th. So we have about a, a month and a half and we'll get to see this long-awaited Snyder Cut. Any thoughts on, you know, if... Because you don't read the comment section on any article that is about <laughs> this movie because, I mean, it is like, you know, Hatfields and McCoys in the comment section. Uh, anybody have it's any what, thoughts? I, I don't... I don't know much about it other than what, you know, to your point, what I've kind of read. But it is it is polarizing because when the film original film came out, it was that way. You know, it was either hated or people said, no, give him some slack. Uh, or it was more on, well, uh, Whedon came in and screwed things up and, you know, and Zach, right. you know, Snyder had to leave because of personal reasons. But uh, I've heard uh, I've heard good things that stuff he's going to do, he's going to, I don't know if he's going to, if it's going to be more of a course correction or I don't honestly don't know how much in the way of changes there are. I mean, obviously he's added quite a bit of material to it, but I'm interested to see it. Well, and that's another thing that has kind of gone back and forth, right? You know, we've all been led to believe that there was quite a bit of, of, uh, you know, reshoot uh, time that was done when he got greenlit to, spend uh, I think it was what between 60 and 80 million dollars to finish well, out the movie I, I the way know he that wanted there, I saw footage before the movie came out of Henry Cavill in a black outfit yes and you know just 
there was a lot of questions about what all that was about and obviously that's the throwback to the original you know story with superman where he came back and he was in the black costume my my era of superman my favorite superman outfit i love that outfit and he wore it again um post uh well during convergence and then in rebirth he had the black outfit for a while the black and silver oh interesting well, I know they've, they've added in, they've added in or they've reshot uh, Cyborg. His, apparently his role is is much more, is increased, you know, because he was going to be more of the, but I thought that was more of a Jeff Johns thing, because I know Jeff Johns got a uh, a thing for Cyborg, and he's always trying to make him a thing. So, <laughs> Well, supposedly, Tim, he was a toxic presence uh, during the filming of that movie. Oh, and Jeff, Jeff Ray- Johns? Yes, and Ray Fisher had a big problem with being asked to say booyah. Well, yeah, I think Ray Fisher had a big problem with a lot of things. Um, <laughs> mainly that he wasn't getting a lot of attention, but uh, I don't want to say anything negative. It's a guy because I don't know what happened, but um, yeah, I know that Jeff Johns, that the reason why he was in the film was because Jeff Johns has always tried to make Cyborg, you know, he kind right. of pulled him out of Teen Titans and put him into with the big guys and I think that's what's going to be I think that was another reason why uh, the actor was upset because like a lot of his stuff was cut because he thought he was going to have a bigger presence and I think there's some stuff with his father and yeah and that kind of thing other than that I don't know if I don't know if the basic story is the same if there's any if there's a I mean I'm assuming I think the story is going to be different because according to Snyder you know Whedon completely changed his movie and that's why, you know, in this very rare instance, um, you know, they've given Snyder this extra money uh, to, you know, finish out the movie the way that he had originally intended. I mean, if you don't know Zack Snyder, I think it was his daughter had committed suicide, and that's why he left the production of the movie, which I think, you know, anybody can sympathize with. I mean, you, oh, you can't, no matter who you are you're not going to be able to work, you know, when, when something like that, a family tragedy like that happens, especially as a parent, you know, and, and it's your kid. Um, I, I'm very interested to see because we've, we've gotten a few, you know, uh, images teased out here and there of, of uh, dark side, as well as the revamped Stefan Wolf, you know, um. what he wanted Stefan Wolf to look like. Um, so I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm in the camp that, I didn't hate the movie at all. I, you know, I thought it had its good moments and it had its bad moments. But uh, you know, people for some reason love to just crap all over DC movies. You know, and particularly, you know, like Ben Affleck got a huge amount of crap thrown his way, and I thought his Batman was great. I like Venice. Well, that was the one. Well, I, I, I think that was the one thing people would come out when it was kind of like when Kate was cast. When when Affleck was cast, it was like, "What? This is crazy." But when Batman v Superman came out, almost anybody who didn't like the film would point out that his Batman was pretty good, and there was probably the best parts of the film was Affleck. And I agree. I think he plays um, now, or certainly one one the way he's playing, he seems more of an uh, an aged kind of grizzled. Yeah. You know, Batman, you know, he's obviously not going to be like a Batman year one, but um, I think 
I don't think Batman <laughs> the first year was burning bat symbols into people's chests. <laughs> oh, man. But oh, you I know mean... what? I, I don't have a problem, you know, as a, as a huge, lifelong Batman fan, I'm okay with different versions of Batman. And I liked, you know, this older, you know, and probably because, you know, what's, what's that joke? You know, it's, uh, you know, when you're young, you know, you think you're going to grow up and be Batman. But the reality is pretty soon you find yourself, you know, old enough to be Alfred. Yep. Yeah. You know, <laughs> So, you know, I look at that and I think, yeah, you know, if he's been fighting crime for 10 plus years, he's probably sick of it. He's sick of dealing with trash, you know, and then he, you know, we saw, you know, he was bruised and battered and scarred. Um, so I, I feel like we, we got, you know, done a disservice by not having a standalone Batman movie that should have come out of Justice League. with You're, with you're, ba- uh, you're getting that with... Uh... Uh, oh, the Twilight guy. I want, um, I want the Ben Affleck Batman to continue on in this DC universe. I don't want the Robert Pattinson one simply because we've already got a little bit of history here. And by them doing this, they're 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 separating Batman from the DCU as is. And well, I, they've I think already, that's, that's what their plan is right now is to to break it up anyway and not to bring it back together for a while. Well, they have maybe Suicide Squad. Well, then look at Joker. That has no connection to any of the DC universe. The Joker, while being a good movie, should never have been made. Well, uh, it just didn't need to be called Joker. It right, you could have called it anything else. else. Exactly. You know, that's. Yeah. And I still think it's an amazing movie. I mean, my wife and I and everybody that was this is pre-COVID that was in the theater to watch that. This is one of our you know nights that we got the neighbor. Or I think maybe my parents watched the kids. And we saw it. I mean, people were pin drop silent in the mm-hmm. movie theater. Pin drop. Just glued to every single scene in that movie. You know, and, and the, of course, the big reveals at the end, you know, of what was real and what was in his head. You know, yeah. you could just feel the, the tension in the air like, oh, you know. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't particularly care for it. I'm not going to say it was a bad film. It just wasn't. I don't think it was made for me. So, Tell me you're not as sophisticated as us. Oh, that's obvious. You know, the, the, my, my problem with it is that, you know, for me, in all the years that I've been reading Batman comics and stories about the Joker, is that his origin was never the same way twice. Right. You know, he always, and even in The Dark Knight, they expounded on that. They, they showed that. Right. But here you were given... A, a Joker origin that you know went beyond what all the others could because it it connected him to Bruce Wayne. It had the conceit of knowing that Bruce Wayne was Batman, and so therefore, in some way, it says the Joker knows that Bruce Wayne is the Batman. And number two, but that well, it was so you. big. So that's a, that's a given. <laughs> but it's so knows. big that now this is the definitive Joker origin, much like the Killing Joke had become the definitive Joker origin for many, many Bat fans. Yeah, but this is not connected with... This is not connected to the DCU. So this is not the the Jared Larry. Joe doesn't know that. And so, therefore, from now on, this is the de facto origin. And if they do another movie or something that points to something different, they're all going to go, huh? Well, that's not my Joker, and so I'm not going to go see it. (laughs) We've already got that, right? Because we already have the Nicholson Joker, right? Which we've talked about on here, right? And I was a 10-year-old kid. And to me, that was my Joker for mm-hmm. a long time. 
I enjoyed Heath Ledger's Joker, and for some people, that's their Joker. Um, and I don't think there's any difference in, you know, Joaquin Phoenix. Some, somebody wants to latch onto that as their Joker, that's fine. Just like with Jared Leto. Some people really like that kind of modern take on the Joker with the tattoos and the gold teeth and all that stuff. That's yeah, it's going to be everybody's going to I didn't hate it like everybody else. I didn't either. I thought he did an okay job, and I, I liked his kind of over the top. But anyway, um, yeah. But if it, so yes. but is but is the Joker not this last thing I'm saying? This is the Joker and uh, is the Joaquin Phoenix version. You think that appeals to comic fans or just the average movie goer that's going to see like a psychological thriller or something like that? And I think the response think, was think- not. Comic fans. I think people have a yeah. I think people. Sorry, have a short, sorry, short but memory. if you listen to Trennis Magnus punches reality, which is now uh, going away or gone, um, no, he thinks it is the ultimate Joker movie. He thinks it's the ultimate best comic book movie. And I don't. We know, I would go that far. Yeah, I wouldn't. Certainly wouldn't go that far. But, but, but yeah. that's. I mean, that's. I mean, that's great. If that's his. If he's found that and that's his thing, then that's fantastic. That I mean, it it should. Right. If it didn't appeal to anybody, then that's. It wouldn't be any kind of a success. So I mean. And and, and you know what? I left out Caesar Romero. I can't leave out Caesar Romero for a big. You know, for a large generation, or se- segment of kids that grew up in the '60s and '70s. That's their Joker. Yeah. Well, it's it's the same with Batman. There, I mean, they're all, yeah. and I've uh, I've heard people say this, and I kind of agree with it. That they're all, well, people will say, well, what's like, uh, I like Batman, who's dark and gritty. I don't like that silly '60s stuff. Right. They're all Batman. They may not yep. be what you like, but they all they're not. They're obviously not going to be in the same universe, but they are all Batman, and it's just going to change. So, I think that's one thing that that DC kind of has over Marvel. Is that they have, because they've had their stuff being translated to film and TV uh, sooner, that you have different iterations. I mean, think of all the different iterations of Superman, of Batman. Now you've got different ones of the Flash. Of um, well, and let's not forget animated series too. You know, exactly. Like some people love, you know, the Batman from the Brave and the Bold. You know, kind of the more lighthearted, funny. You know, Batman. My daughter loved that show. We watched all the episodes when she was four or five, and she, you know, she loved that version of Batman. Well, there's you know, the she, Batman we, the animated. Some people consider that yeah. their their the uh, definitive yeah. Batman. Yeah, which I would yeah. be. That's kind of hard to argue with that. I mean, it's not, but that's pretty a pretty good representation of Batman. Yeah. Well, moving off of Batman and Justice League. The other big newsmaker uh, has been WandaVision. And this is another divisive... Polarizing, uh, yeah. Oh, yes, big time. So if you have not heard, so the WandaVision TV show launched on Disney+, and they put out a couple of episodes to get everybody started. They're they're 30-minute... Oh, my gosh, did somebody drop their ashtray? (laughs) No, that was a bottle. Oh, (laughs) Do you need to go get a towel? Somebody's throwing bottles at Brian. That wasn't mine. I don't know. I just knew it was a bottle. (laughs) Uh, By the way, if you guys can't tell, this is our way of if we all lived within 10 miles of each other and there wasn't a pandemic, this would be our TGI Fridays sitting at the bar for, you know, an hour Uh and a half just talking about, you know, the stuff that happened in the week. But anyway, so WandaVision drops. And the, it's a 30-minute 
show and they dropped two episodes and people lost their damn minds um you either loved it and thought you know the 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 tongue-in-cheek style that it's kind of filmed in from a bygone era and the story that was unfolding over the two episodes was really smart and intelligent or you thought it was complete trash (laughs) wow Wow. well let me ask you this because the the, the, those of you who on here who have watched it i've watched about 10 minutes the first episode the way it starts that changes right Yeah, it's. Yeah, I've, kind of, I've it seen some a, some scenes. It and is stuff. a jump on the sitcom of the day, and yes. no one's going to mind if I say this. The first episode was the Dick Van Dyke Show. Yes. The second episode was Bewitched, and then the last episode last week. I haven't watched this week's yet. I'll be watching it after we finish here. But the the last episode last week was Brady Bunch. and you know, just I mean, it obviously didn't have all the kids or anything, but. What they did do was was, uh, rather interesting and, and of course, points towards John Byrne a little bit. But we'll get there in in a while. Did they have John Byrne playing Cousin Oliver? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. He could have. Cousin Oliver all grown up. Cousin Oliver grew up to be John Byrne. But, yeah, I mean, see, we've already gone from black and white to the color era and we're going to keep moving. And you're starting to see other things that are grabbing from outside. That there's a lot more going on here than just uh, a takeoff of a TV sitcom. Yeah. So, so my wife and I watched the first two episodes. She's out. She said she doesn't want to watch anymore. Does she? Does she watch the rest of the films from the cinematic universe? She has, but I think for her, it is so different. From I think what she was expect well what we were all expecting. I think that's right? the catch. Everybody's it's different than what anybody was expecting. Yeah, I mean it is way different than any whatever you think you're prepared for, you're not prepared for it because I'll tell you what, tonight's episode, episode four, is going to. I think most for most reasons people are they're not going for the ride. They're not allowing the ride to happen. They want to know the answers during the Dick Van Dyke show. What the heck's going on? I, I don't get this. I, right. you, you just got to kind of let it go through. But there's some stuff tonight, or the episode four will actually um, provide some clues as to what's happening. And it will definitely be a l- little bit... Maybe, maybe you can have your wife... Well, as people long who, are, who have checked out hey, already hey, can maybe uh, pardon me, guys. stop uh, with number four and then... And then Maybe John, back. John, let what? me interrupt for just a second. What? You need to either back away from your microphone or turn your volume down a little bit because you're like just it's you're getting really coming in hot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Did you? You have to take the microphone out of your mouth, John. <laughs> it's on the camera. I'll just talk softer. <laughs> well, it's just great to hear your passion, John. I will. I will. Um, I will be like the the folks talking about Peach Sweaty's ball Christmas balls. <laughs> you <laughs> sweaty balls. You weren't that you weren't that passion we were dissing on the post office, come on. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, even my wife used you know, to she's it. she is watching this with me. And of course before she met me, she didn't even ever look at comic books or uh, really much in the way of comic book movies. But she is so into this that she caught uh, Monica Rambo before I did. Uh-huh. Oh. 
and and just whoa surprise you know, i want to I'm going to do a shout out to you and your wife, uh, Brian, because the uh, Is It Jaws episode of Aliens dropped, I think, last week? Yes. Uh, very enjoyable episode, so. Excellent. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. We had a lot of fun doing it. I'm, I'm waiting to, to record another one with Paul. We've got something coming down the hopper sometime here soon. I, I just think he's uh, waiting for the perfect moment to watch the movie. Yeah. He's got a big I, backlog because I recorded with him about four months ago and it hasn't come out yet yeah and oh yeah we recorded this one sometime last year yeah you know yeah. so yeah I mean, it, it was quite a while back just so you know the alien movies are my favorite ah just putting it out there well uh, marvel just put out it i get information that you probably don't know because uh, i worked for a company that had something to do with the movie aliens can you give me a face sucker or face hugger? <laughs> no, no, no. That's face like, face which, sucker. Which, by the way, yeah. Which, by the way, Marvel Comics has acquired the rights to Alien. I and noticed they put a, they put a book out. They're fixing to put a book out, right? Yep. Wait, I, wait, just no. did, I just Hold did. I just did for January. Well, I mean, because you know, Fox owns Aliens, the the, the, the franchise, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that means that Ripley is a Disney princess. <laughs> The alien queen is also a princess. Or the alien, princess. Yeah. There you go. She's the wicked, the wicked, the wicked queen. <laughs> uh, so to each their own. I would, I would encourage everybody to watch at least the first couple episodes of One Division. And if you're a long-term comic reader, you know what you're seeing is not truly the reality, right? There's other things going on, and I think you just kind of have to go trust the storytellers on this one until the full story is told and then make your judgment and whatever you do do not go to imdb.com because just looking at the cast list will spoil for you yeah yeah but now did you uh did you catch the buffy joke they made no in the uh in the the episode with uh what, what was it that that they had to do the little skit on stage they did the magical thing Okay. That's first one, second one. Second one. You know, Emma Caulfield played uh, Anya on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She was the the revenge demon, the vengeance demon, and she had a dread fear of bunnies. Oh! And so she made it. She made a bunny joke during the episode. I just thought that was hilarious. Deep cuts, that? folks. That's what you come here for. <laughs> yep. Deep cuts. Well, I want to ask uh, you guys if <clears throat> this is not comic related at all, but. My wife and Joe just finished watching it, and we loved it. Has anybody seen Ted Lasso on Apple Plus? No, no. It's only an Apple. It's on. It's on Apple TV. It's it's the Jason Sudeikis show, and it's it's only ten episodes. If you if you can watch it without having to buy it, you know you'd have to subscribe to Apple. But if you somehow if you can watch it, if they do a thing with Netflix or whatever, I highly recommend it. It's it's their their 30-minute shows and it's about the concept is an american football coach goes to england to coach a soccer team and that sounds goofy but it it is incredibly sweet and it's funny and it'll it'll probably have you crying at the end of it so yeah that's not up up my alley (laughs) the only thing i've really seen him in was we're the millers and i really like that my family all like that so well this is not like slapsticky yuck yuck yeah, you know, which I thought yeah. it would be. It's a little more, like I said, it's more sweet. So, you know, if that's not your thing, then 
then um, then Vanilla fell in love with it when you started watching it. So, hmm. well, next on our list is, and I'm going to skip Mandalorian right now, and just just to go to something quicker. So, Godzilla versus King Kong. Uh, the two-minute trailer was released. Finally, finally, everybody's been begging <laughs> for you know some some uh, some scenes from this movie, and we got two minutes of not only Godzilla action, but we got Kong, and it looks amazing. They gave away too much in the trailer. No, nah. they did. No, nah. if you watch the trailer carefully, they gave away too much. There's already about... speculation that this is going to be like a a Marvel comic book, right? You know, the the two the two of them are going to fight, no, and then they're no, going to team no, up. No, no, not a Marvel comic. It's going to be a DC movie because Kong and Godzilla are going to be fighting, and one of them's going to get the other one down. He's about to kill him, and he's going to say, "Save Mothra, <laughs> save Mothra." <laughs> Why'd you say that name? <laughs> but there's there I've 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 read a little bit and watched some YouTube about, uh, and this is spoilers, so. This is speculation on the movie, so if you don't want to know anything, it's speculation, tune out now. But and we could be full of crap, by the way. So absolutely, these are all rumors. Keep listening. But uh, if you watch the video, you they because they the apparently the director has said there will be a definitive winner. It's not going to be a. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Brian is like, oh, they're going to come together, they're going to fight. Then, oh no, here's a common enemy. We're going to pull our, you know, we're going to team up. Or we're going to defeat this person. I know who's going to win. They think Mecha it's going to be. They think it's going to be Kong, but that's that's the the, the, the they speculate that Mecha Godzilla may be in this because there's apparently is a little bit of a there's a yep. seam you can kind of see some eyes and there's a background where you can see it looks like a schematic of uh, Mecha Godzilla. So they think that uh, what Kong Watch is fighting. Tail. Watch Godzilla's tail in in the trailers. Watch the tail. That's all uh, I'm gonna say. Uh, I've watched it, but I but they think Just that. Tell that, us, Brian. Might... <laughs> what do you know? What did you see? What did you see, man? Oh, semen? What? No, semen. No, uh, <laughs> you know, you know. Uh, I I really don't want to spoil anything. I'll, I'll give some conjecture because I've got a son who is all over the web and he's talking all day and all night. But uh, we're not just talking Mechagodzilla, which. And big spoiler here, so do not listen if you do not want to know this. That's Mechagodzilla he's fighting there. That's the speculation, because he looks smaller. Okay. He looks smaller but, than Godzilla. But the the actual villain is probably going to be Mechagodzilla. Because if you uh, watch the, the, the final scene... Who the scene hell would have built the things? If you watch the end credit scene... Of the of of you know Godzilla King of the Monsters, yeah. you get a lead up to that. Because what's his name from Game of Thrones, got the head. Oh, Charles oh, Dance. Yeah. Charles Dance. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're jogging my memory. Well, that sounds a lot like Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla from the '90s, the uh, the not yeah. the Showa era, but the the Heisei era, where they the people from the future come back and take uh, defeated. Ghidra and build him as a cyborg, he comes back and he fights Godzilla. So, but if you um, look at is it the very first Mecha Godzilla? Uh, he was in a Godzilla, he had a skin. right, he had a yeah. The, I was watching that just today because they had it on um, Comet TV's been showing that, but 
Uh, yeah, and he first shows up, because if you also, in that one, the telltale sign is that his breath is red, not uh, white or bluish white. And then when Godzilla comes across him, you find out that he's, you know, he's he's got a covering, so he looks like Godzilla. Yeah. So, so. I really like Kong of Skull Island. I think a lot of people oh, I love did, that. didn't watch the movie because, it, you know, it got kind of mixed reviews. Please, if you haven't watched it, please go watch it. I'm sure it's on multiple streaming services. You know, and it's a really good movie. It's John good. Riley is, yeah. is great in it. He's hilarious. Yeah. Um, so if you like him, his character is really good in the movie. You know, unfortunately for me, you know, this is kind of like when you're watching a comic book movie, you know, and you got to kind of forget what you know. But it's like, how could King Kong fight Godzilla when Kong radiates so much radiation that he could either radiate him with his fire breath or lightning breath or whatever you his power um, or just being around Godzilla and grappling with him would be enough because Kong is really just a giant ape. He's yeah. like us. Well, well he, you know, the thing is in, in Skull Island, he was only about, what, 50 feet tall? Yeah. And somehow he's gone to 300 well, feet tall. Well, so you listen, and John C. Riley. No, John C. Riley says he's still growing. Yeah. Right. There's a line he's in there. Like it's, a kid. And, then, yeah. and, that, and I, when I heard that, it's like, okay, they're setting up that he's, you know, he's much older because it's like, what, 40 years later? Yeah. Uh, and you say, if you look at him, he's got kind of a beard. He, you know, he looks different than he did uh, on Skull Island, but um, that's why they have to give him that club. He's got like his Thor hammer, which <laughs> which apparently is the X, the, the head of that is a, looks like a, a dorsal oh, fin off of Godzilla. Of yeah. Godzilla. Yeah. But, and it's not just a shield, but if you watch the trailer, it attracts the uh, the the breath weapon. Well, they speculate that it could charge up somehow. It's charging yeah, because, up that energy. Because well, that this, that this isn't the first time it. that one yeah. of the Kong family has fought Godzilla Zilla. or right. one of Godzilla's like kin. Well, they, they also speculate that the Godzilla is maybe not Mecha Godzilla he's fighting, but a younger Godzilla because. When Godzilla became supercharged in King of the right. Monsters, he might have died. And then there's another younger Godzilla. That's why he seems smaller. And they're fighting on that aircraft yeah, carrier. He's definitely more svelte. Yeah. Um, so they oh, then... lost weight, okay? So really, this is um, Godzuki grown up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, God. I thought it was Minya. Or is it oh. Manila? Or wait, wait, you want one of it's those? It's Minya. Even yeah. when I was a kid, those movies were so bad. Or Godzilla Jr., they call him in the <laughs> oh. uh, Heisei series. I, you know, and it's, you know, even as a kid, I was like, is that a little person? You know, I didn't use those words because mm-hmm. back then we weren't, we weren't, uh, you know, well, sensitive, you know, in a suit because it was you, so bad. I, well, I grew up on those when I was a kid and I loved those. They, these films used to come on on Saturday afternoons, probably <laughs> two or three in the afternoon. And man, I just loved the Godzilla. I loved, I didn't care that. Yes, it was obvious it was somebody in a rubber suit stomping on models, but I thought that was still the coolest thing. My favorite out of all those has always been War of the Gargantuas. That's a good one. And I think they need to remake that today. That would be a great horror film today. But well, they, And that's the they, thing when you mentioned Godzilla getting charged up. I mean, I like got a little misty when uh, they brought him back to his his home and, you know, reduced him. 
after yeah. his fight. You know, I mean, yeah. the special effects, if you have not watched Godzilla King of the Monsters, the special effects in that movie are incredibly well done. My, my son is in here now and he's pointing at you like you're right. <laughs> Go ahead, speak um, up. <laughs> hey, is that a beer? That was a Gatorade. Okay, good. If, uh... It's Gatorade and vodka. <laughs> I learned it from you, Dad. It's, it's that triple sec that you threw out earlier. <laughs> what? I can't waste this. Don't if you me. watch uh, Godzilla, the, the last of the Heisei uh, movies, which is uh, 95, Godzilla vs. Destroyer, where oh, yeah. you have the Godzilla, that one is burning up. He's turning red, and he's, and he's they're worried about him melting down. I and love that effect. When he fights... Uh, Destroyer, and he he does. He defeats him. And then he kind of does. He just kind of dissolves and melts. And then that's a very emotional moment. If you're into Godzilla, that's a, kind of a sad moment where you see he dies. But didn't they have God uh, like Godzilla Junior or whatever? Right. In Godzilla Junior absorbs it all. He it back somehow. Well, no, no. He, he he was dying, but when Godzilla kind of melted down, Godzilla Junior absorbed all that radiation and mutated into a full-size Godzilla. So that's how, you know, you lose one, you get another one. Convenient. Hey, this is... This is I know, I know. I don't have any I, I think they need to do a special edition of that particular movie and redo the Destroyer effects. Because some of the effects were really good, but some of them were really, really cheap. Yeah, they're, you know, they're... They are what from the age they are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and that's that's the... You know that's the charm of it. It's not. I mean, sometimes you can, you can, you can. Um, I think that sometimes modern films lose sight of. Oh, we can do these amazing effects, and then they forget about a decent story. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that gets lost. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, all, not all the Godzilla or the connected monster movies have great stories. So let's not. No, no, they don't. I'm not saying they do. <laughs> uh, and I'm not. Some of them are really. And I'm not holding them up as high art, but you know, uh, you know, I still love them. But uh, you know, and I can still kind of make fun of them and still you know enjoy them. But well, you know what really think, irks me? Why do you is, think King of the Monsters did not do so well in the U.S.? I mean, it did pretty well around the world. And I think it got that early poo-poo buzz for whatever reason. You know, there were critics and then people who went and saw the movie that. I don't know. They must have watched a different movie than I did, and everyone I know did. Um, but I, that was one that, again, my wife and I, you know, got the the evening off, and we saw it in the theater, and we were amazed because it had only been out for like two weeks, and we must have been one of like ten people in there. Mm. Yeah, Which we is were a- there opening night, and it 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 was the theater was about half. Half full, which is odd because but those it, that were in there were really into it, though. Well, it was and it was kind of a course correction. You know, the big complaint for the first one was, "Oh, there's not enough Godzilla. You don't see enough Godzilla." And then it seemed like they were course correcting for this other one, where you see a lot and you see a lot of monster yeah. fighting. Uh, oh, <laughs> more more than I. And I maybe that was it. And- maybe it was too much. Maybe it became that kind of man of steel. Just kind of it was a big loud noise. Um, uh, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I like the first Godzilla. I like the fact that you don't necessarily see him all the time. And I even like uh, Kick-Ass, that character, you know, the... the Aaron Taylor Johnson. Aaron Taylor Johnson. I like yeah. his portrayal and I like his story following him through. I, I kind of like the human story in that. Um, I'm, I'm still creeped out that Elizabeth Olsen was his wife in this one, but his sister in The Avengers. 
Yeah. Same year. <laughs> you know? That is kind of weird. What was, what was the precursor movie to Godzilla King of Monsters? All I can remember is you got the Breaking Bad guy in it. God, just yeah, called it Godzilla. Just Godzilla. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah and, and, I, it, and it can't be because people are still thinking of the the, the P. Diddied version of Godzilla um, from what, 2000, 2001? 1998, the, the Matthew Broderick one? Yeah, oh, I hope not. And all the all the mini Godzillas. Zilla, oh, I'll tell you, they I refer don't to him as Zilla. Zilla. I don't that's right. hate that movie. Gino, Godzilla in name only. Well, they call him Zilla, and if you watch Godzilla: Final Wars, he actually right. shows up and he's killed. And that, and, and that was fitting what they did there to to, yeah. to, to <laughs> in there. But again, I don't hate that movie. In fact, I'll pull that one out and watch it every now and then because it's got some. I mean, the lead-up scenes are almost I think, as yeah, I think as, as good as Jaws. I think until I think about the first maybe half hour, up until where he he comes out of the water in New York, and even that scene where he's kind of rampaging through New York that first time, yeah, it's pretty time. good. When they're tracking yes. him and they don't know who he is, he's pretty good. And and I think if you took the name Godzilla off of it and called it Gigantosaurus or something, people <laughs> would think about it differently because he doesn't look like Godzilla. No, no. no. <laughs> he looks right. like his twice removed cousin. But you know the the thing that uh, that hurt that movie for me back then was just all the two dimensional characters. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Versus That's... you know you know Matthew Mc uh, Matthew Broderick and what was the girl's name? She disappeared. Um, but the, you know they were three dimensional. But you know all the other characters except for maybe uh, Mo from uh, the Hank Azaria. We're, we're all very two-dimensional and just, you know, they, they, they were just caricatures of people instead well, of actually they people. They wrote in characters for Siskel and Ebert. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was a great example of that. It was just, but that was because they were so... Un, Siskel and Ebert were so unforgiving to Independence Day. Yeah, I, I agree. The, the goat is spoken. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I said it was going to be quick. And, but, well, I, I did. I did want to point you back to something in Facebook Messenger. I sent you guys a couple pictures. The second picture is actually Superboy's oh, second pick. costume. Wait, wait, no. And and he had to stop wearing it because uh, it, the yellow on it reflected the yellow sun rays away from, him. and so therefore he was weaker in the yellow costume than he was in his blue one. Which you know says that you know wearing the black one would make him as more powerful, so it makes sense that Superman should wear a black costume. Mm, okay, is that not hideous? <laughs> yes, <laughs> pretty bad. Uh, we'll have to post that in the in the image when we post the episode. I have never seen this. Wow, yeah. that is pretty Lock bad. Kent, Lock, it was in the episode issue of the old Superboy comics uh, back oh. in the days. Kurt Schaffenberger. The, the new, you know. new Adventures of Superboy? New Adventures of Superboy. So Ma oh, Kent's oh, like, trash. hey, Clark, you know, I've got all this extra material from your blanket and stuff. <laughs> um, you know, you want me to make you another costume? Sure, Ma. And so she makes him the exact same costume, except it's yellow for the, the tights, and the, the S symbol is red with blue highlight. The cape is blue, but the boots are still the red boots. And it Basically is imagine the most garish super. Yeah, it is hideous. Possible. Hilarious. But yeah, it's like uh someone had uh shot him and the bullet to hit him on the shoulder, he's going, I can feel that. You know? 
So he, yeah, he had to stop wearing it because it lowered his powers. That's up there with the uh, multicolored Batman suits that he. Oh God. Yeah, you take that back. Rainbow Batman's are the best. <laughs> yeah, so this is like late 70s, early 80s that came out. And then the other picture I sent you is basically Cap's lock. Yeah, cap lock, yeah. Uh, cap's lock key. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's fine. <sighs> well, we've still got a bunch of stuff to touch on. So I, Yeah. Let, let's try and be brief. So Mandalorian okay. Season 2 wrapped up about a month ago. It was the you know the new hotness everybody's all about mandalorian which i find ironic since people poo-pooed so many of the star wars movies and shows uh what a great season i mean i I don't want to give anything away to people that haven't seen it all yet i know everybody's circumstances are different but this was so good from beginning to end the characters they introduced you know from you know uh clone wars to you name it i mean just it was it was just well done. I, there was not a bad episode in the bunch. You know, they covered stuff from virtually every aspect of Star Wars. Yeah. You know, they pointed back to the original trilogy, to the prequel trilogy, to the sequel trilogy, to Rebels, to Clone Wars, even to what uh, the Resistance. Yeah. Uh, the only thing they didn't you know point to so far are those little Endor Ewok stories. Thank God. <laughs> but. But yeah, no, very, very good. And I mean, they've opened the door to so many other things. You know, we've got now, and, and do I dare say the uh, new series that are coming out of this, spinning out of this? Okay. What, there's like 12 or 13 different ones. There's a ton of yeah. them. If you have not seen the end and you have lived under a rock and didn't see, which by the way, I turned it off because there was never any extra scenes at the end of the episodes. <laughs> Until this one. <laughs> yeah, of course, this one. Um <laughs> So, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a five second countdown and then hit skip ahead thirty seconds on your device. Five, four, three, two, one. Go ahead, Brian. Well, I mean, we're gonna get the book of Boba Fett, and I just bit into a cookie, so thanks. Um, <laughs> but not only that, well, well apparently so did Boba Fett. Could you see his waistline? <laughs> oh, hey, on, he got guys. he got it refit. Okay. Yeah. He got it refit. It's better now. It blocks. And apparently, you know, the Sarlacc didn't eat him. He ate the Sarlacc. <laughs> you know, but uh, along with the uh, book of Boba Fett, we're also getting an Ahsoka series with Rosario Dawson playing the the the. I'm not going to say titular character, but the, <laughs> that character. Yes. Hey now. And see, I'm going right now. I'm binge watching Clone Wars, and I'm on season five right now. I told and, you uh, it got progressively better, didn't it? Yeah, yo, definitely. I mean, I never disliked Clone Wars. Um, I just knew that there was always going to be a couple episodes in there that I wanted nothing to do with. You know, like Jar Jar episodes or episodes that are all about the droids or, you know, things like that. I, I wanted to see ones that progress the actual storyline. And and so, you know, there was times when I just got bored and I said, you know... And couldn't go back to it for one thing or another. My wife can't get into those particular things. I don't know why, because she, she loves a Mandalorian. Hmm. Even just... my mother, who is not a Star Wars fan, watched the Mandalorian, and she loves the child, Baby that's, Yoda. That's that's the that's the hook. Yeah, and okay. that'll be interesting to see if they can keep that going into season three, because he's gone now. That's true. That's true. I mean, as a because Vanilla was going to be on the show today, but I didn't have a 
I didn't have a splitter for a bike for earphones, so she she can she, she wanted to talk about Baby Yoda. Uh, let me ask this, and this is again more spoilers, so I'm, we're going to talk kind of freely about Mandalorian season two now. I I mean, as big a Star Wars fan as I am, I have not read any of the um, uh, the expanded universe, the books, so I'm not as familiar with that, and I haven't watched all of the Clone Wars, so a lot of the stuff I don't know. Uh, I can see how someone like you said. David, your mother likes this show. And as someone who doesn't know anything about Star Wars or has just a casual experience with it, can, can watch it and enjoy it. How about somebody, if you guys are, are more, uh, have more in-depth knowledge of this, of the, the more of the expanded universe stuff? Is this, apparently it's still okay, it, right? Yeah, yeah, I think this is the classic. They did everything right. You can watch it and be someone like my mother or like my wife who has a passing understanding of Star Wars and has seen some Star Wars movies and they still enjoy it. Or you can be someone like me or Brian or others that have a pretty deep knowledge of seeing all the movies, even the most recent ones um, and the spinoffs and read the comics. And you just pick up more in the show. Like, Oh, that's a nod to that. And that's a nod to that. And it doesn't take away from my viewing of the show. It just kind of enhances it. Like, oh, yeah. that's a cool little thing well, they threw in there. This stuff and with the... Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, fine. Uh, I was going to ask if the this kind of backstory, they, or the kind of the lore they've given about the Mandalorian, which was a lot in season one, which I liked a lot, of the fact that they weren't so much a race as they were kind of a, a belief. You know, you could be... Kind of anybody could be a Mandalorian, I guess, if that's if that's the case. Uh, and how they never take their helmets off, which, of course, that run out the window with with Jango Fett. He had his helmet off all the time. Well, wait but, a second. But you know, even in in Clone Wars, if you watch Clone Wars, you already knew with Death Watch, yeah, Bo-Katana knows that they took their helmets off all the time. That's what I'm saying. But they that's what they kind of explained in this uh, season, right? That she says yeah. she calls him a like a believer well, they or sell it. Something, yeah, yeah. That he's a yeah, yeah, he's a member of a cult, basically. Right. So that so not all Mandalorians will, or you know, which which helps kind of explain why Jango, his father, or or Boba Fett's father, had his helmet off all the time, and uh, Boba Fett didn't feel he had to cover his helmet. He didn't have to keep his um, helmet on, and how they didn't they, they took their helmets off all the time. So um, yeah, and I, I try to explain that to my wife as like <clears throat> the old versions of. Mandalorians that we knew, they basically view the armor and and their training as weapons of war, right? As battle. And whereas the Mandalorian, what he grew up in was, you know, it was the way of life. Yeah. Right? It was everything. Um I'm trying to I totally forgot the, what it It's not the way of life, it's just the this way. Is the, this is the way, yeah, yeah, it's the way. This is the way. Well, they're closer. Um, they're closer to Jedi in that aspect. That they yes. they are kind of completely absorbed into what they're doing, yes. and they're, they're kind of code. Yeah, and it is very similar to that. And and I think kind of the same mystery surrounds them that we see uh, with the Jedi. That you know, we just all assume from the movies and and things that well, everybody knows who the Jedi are. And it turns out, you know, as we're we're getting more into the expanded universe uh, that, you know, Star Wars inhabits that 
well, not everybody's seen a Jedi, and not everybody believes in them, you know, in terms of that they exist. Because it does sound, you know, kind of like a made-up story, right? That there's these warriors that run around with swords made out of light, and they can control things with their minds. Right? It sounds like complete BS. Space wizards. Yeah, space wizards. Well, doesn't he call them that? Like, (laughs) you know? Um, Same with the Mandalorians. You know, they have a reputation, but everybody seems to have their own, and and this is in-universe I'm talking about, everybody seems to have their own idea of what a Mandalorian is. So, well, yeah, I think that's a fair comparison. You know, the, the their reputation precedes them in both cases. And don't, so doesn't somebody say that the Mandalorians are the Jedi's ancient enemy? Because they have that, yes, whatever that yeah. metal is, that... that the uh, best scar. That, yeah, that, that you can't cut with a lightsaber. So that would make them naturally... Uh, you could create an arm piece of armor that a Jedi couldn't penetrate with its lightsaber. Well, and that's what makes the Darksaber so powerful. Um, because it really isn't a lightsaber you know it's kind of the opposite of it um the dark but it chooses the wizard oh wait sorry <laughs> <laughs> here just take take it i can yeah. i must earn it in battle <laughs> um which is stupid uh anyway yeah I, I i can't say enough good things about the show it is completely a space western it's episodic but in a good way Um, The story continues to move along from episode to episode. I don't think you ever feel, you know, like we do with some shows where you're like, oh, this is a filler show, you know, and then you get that last 10 or 15 minutes and then everything is crammed into it. Um, This one has good pacing throughout the entire thing. I did feel that some of the, the, and I didn't feel this so much in the first season, but it felt a little like some of the stuff he was doing were like side missions that he was having to, (laughs) I got to do this. Somebody helped me to get back to the main mission. So some of that was, uh, and the other thing was he, he seemed to be he was such uh, he was such kind of a he was such kind of a badass in the first season without being right. over the top. You know, he was right. just very good at what he does. He was kind of Wolverine like, right. and he seemed like they turned that down a little bit in the second season. He wasn't quite as capable. Maybe that was because he had more people around him and he wasn't having to kind of do it all himself. Or he just seemed like they made him a little less capable. Uh, and I don't know if that was to... I don't know what the reason behind that was. Uh, you got to raise the stakes, you know? I mean, if you, I guess. if you start to feel like he can just walk into any situation and mow anybody down, um, you know, the stakes get lowered. Yeah. I liked it. I mean, I, I, I kind of binged it all. I like think I watched two episodes, and then I kind of sat one night and just watched uh, all... I think there's eight, right? I watched all the rest of them. Because I wanted to get to that end where I knew something was coming, um, and it was it was good. I mean, it's it's I don't know if it's you know it's being hailed as oh finally Star Wars is back on track. This is the oh, Star Wars gosh. we've needed. This is what we wanted. And, and as much as I, I I haven't liked the the, the prequel movies because I just don't think they're particularly very good. This is kind of it's a, it seems like a smaller corner of the universe and smaller stage. The, 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 the sequel, prequels or the, the, yeah, or the new the, the new trilogy. The new trilogy. Okay. The new trilogy. I mean, I don't I don't hate the prequels. Um, I prefer them over the the sequels. But um, what? That's yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm ish. <laughs> ish. And the Clone Wars really helped the prequel movies become better movies. Yeah, well, yeah, that could be a whole show in itself. John, I, I think. What do you think of Mandalorian? So that, Where'd you go? That, 
you see is that that uh, John Favreau and and the and Dave Filoni embrace George Lucas, and George Lucas has been there on set with them, and he's you know they've been you know asking him questions, and he's been you know kibitzing and all that, and I oh, think God, that they're they're helping to stoke his creative juices. No, come on, you know the thing is, is. George made one perfect movie in Star Wars, all right? About including midi-chlorians? Like I said, George made one perfect movie in Star Wars. And then for Empire Strikes Back and for Return of the Jedi, he did things in the background and he let a director direct the actors. And he let a scriptwriter doctor the script. And, and then he did the prequel movies, which almost completely titanic the franchise right right and you could tell where he was talking and where Lawrence Kasdan was talking and you just needed Lawrence Kasdan to take over the whole thing that was just but let, let's admit on the prequels whether you hate them or like them there seems to be a a through line of an idea going through and there was an idea and they seemed to have it kind of planned out as they were doing it the sequels are going everywhere I mean you've got JJ does one thing, and then That's then Ryan Kendrick Johnson comes along and does completely opposite, yeah. and then JJ tries to come back. Okay, and then whoever you want to blame, it, there doesn't seem to be a cohesive. They didn't sit down and go, "These are three movies we want to, you know, three movies stories we want to tell." It was like, "Okay, you do your thing, and then I'm gonna do my thing, and I gotta, you know, I gotta uh, retcon what you did, and you're gonna come back and retcon what I did, and it seems like a tug of war. So it's almost like the movies are fighting with themselves. So. And we and we've did. talked we've talked about this. People that liked Force Awakens hated uh, what was it, the Last Jedi? Yeah, and people like and like Last Jedi hated the other two. <laughs> yep, yep. And I'm in that camp. So I like the middle one, the the Mark Hamill focused movie, which you know we have to mention. And if you have not watched Mandalorian season two all the way through, skip ahead a couple minutes. I was giddy when that <laughs> X-wing showed up. I knew exactly who it was. My wife looked at me and she's like, "What?" And I said, "Oh, just you wait." Yeah. This is this is powered up badass Luke Skywalker. He just goes through those guys like a hot knife through butter. That's, you know, another one of these, you know, where it gets your motor running cuz you're like, "I want to see that show." Mm-hmm. What the hell did he do between the end of the movies, the original trilogy, and where we find him as a as a, you know, like a bitter Obi-Wan Kenobi living on his <laughs> island, you know, drinking blue milk. I want that show. Well, it's a lot like that last scene in Rogue One where Vader comes in and kind of goes through all the rebels. Exactly. exactly. Yep. Yep. And that's why people are enjoying the Marvel comics, the Darth Vader comics so much, because it does give a lot of that feeling of, you know, um, Vader going up against, you know, different situations and, and showing off his skills and so if you need more Vader in your life, I would highly recommend them recommend Yeah, I've heard Marvel. I've heard good things about the Vader comic. Really yeah, good. Yeah. But, you know the thing is though with with uh, the Grogu baby Yoda and <laughs> Can we talk about how awful of a name that is by the way? I, I, I just <laughs> wanted to just walk past it, you know. But you I, know the I, thing is is that because of Gregu? what we know what we know happens. What we know happens with Ben Solo and the Jedi Order is that you know Ben basically either kills all the the, yep. the Jedi apostles and and you know takes couples for you know to be the Knights of Ren, which of course we yep. know what happens to them now, the younglings, or 
And then, you know, there's also, if you go back and you watch, it made me think about the the Clone Wars episode, and I watched it within the last couple of weeks, um, A Necessary Bond, where Ahsoka takes these younglings to get their first lightsabers to go make them. Yeah, that's and a great got, episode. Right, you got a, a Wookiee and a Rodian and a couple others, yep. you know, in there. And, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's really cool, but you, you realize, well, they're all going to die. You know, Anakin's going to yeah. kill them. Yep. In, in the Great Purge, and that's just like ugh, sick. And mm-hmm. what happens to Grogu? What happens to Baby Yoda? Does does he does Luke just go no? You know, after a while, he's like, no, can't do this, and I'll just leave you on a swamp planet somewhere. Or, <laughs> well, there was some some uh, internet speculation that you know he he recognized or could sense the connection he had with Luke from if you haven't seen it, he does like a. Um, what is that show where it's like you know power level 9000 or whatever that is um anyway ragu is sitting on a a force rock and that's how he reaches out and he's in like this big thing of light and that's how he contacts luke right there was speculation that r2d2 is the one that got ragu out of the (laughs) the jedi temple you're doing that on purpose. Yes, because as soon as as soon as Ahsoka said his name, I was like, "Wait, is his parents garlic and herb?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. Uh, uh, obviously, Ahsoka survived the Order six six six. There's got to be other Jedi's that survived. So Order sixty six, not sixty six, not, not the Devil's Order. <laughs> <laughs> it should have been six six six. But so obviously that you know that just kind of opens the door. There could be lots of Jedi's out there, kind of just keeping keeping their head down and biding their time. But I think what what the success of the Mandalorian is that because it takes place, uh, I think you're right, David. It, it is a Western in space because it takes place yeah. in kind of a, 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 a dingy, dirty corner of the yeah. galaxy that that uh, nobody kind of sees, and there are you know kind of disenfranchised stormtroopers <laughs> that can't hit yep. anything and right. there are uh, you know there's uh, I love the episode with uh, Timothy Oliphant yeah, yeah the, uh, I mean that, that right there just <laughs> says how much of a western it is because right. you got right. Timothy Oliphant in it right. yeah. I mean he's playing the same character he played on Justified basically Which, well he need a Swedgen cameo now <laughs> 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 oh Okay, we got three more things to talk about. We got we're gonna move on here before John gives us the screaming goat. <laughs> well, uh, well, yeah. Where have you been? You been, well, you been, the well, camp I've been talking time? so much. I could I couldn't try to get into it. So uh, um, I love the Mandalorian. I agree with what you're saying. It's great. I love the 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 cowboy style of it. The spaghetti western stuff in space. It's it's excellent. Um, and uh, I and earlier, I'm not. I'm with Tim. I think it was Tim who was saying that not in the, the whole expanded universe thing. So um, I totally was just along for the ride and enjoying hey, it. The only thing is, Kirk's here. Sorry, John. Hey guys. <laughs> I'm gonna cut you off, hey, John. Pull Sorry. Up, pull up a pull up a seat and grab a drink of your choice: pop, <laughs> water, alcoholic beverage. Aren't you working tonight? I've just come home. It's twelve thirty-nine. Hmm. So I realize you guys were recording, and I rushed in and fired up Skype. So all right, so you delivered all the news yeah. that's good to print. 
Yeah. Or, or weather. Yeah. Or weather. Well, welcome to the table. We are just about to uh, to move on to. So Marvel had a couple of uh, announcements. So first one is Marvel is redoing, well, quasi Marvel Heroes Reborn coming to a comic book shop near you in May of 2021. And it imagines the uh, Phoenix character basically killing off the Avengers or that there are no Avengers and the world that it creates in its wake is uh, a mishmash of some heroes are the same way that they were. Other heroes are combined to create new characters. If you if you read uh, Infinity War, there was the Infinity Warps, which were combinations of existing characters. I think we're going to get some of that here. Hmm. Uh Again, like everything else we've talked about today, this is another mixed bag. Some people read it and just rolled their eyes and went, here we go again. <laughs> um, do we well, really need to go down this, this road again? For the Heroes Reborn. It went so well the first time. It, it's basically, oh, yeah. it's not even Heroes Reborn. It's a what if. What if the Avengers didn't exist and the squadron Supreme took over? So, yeah. Uh, doesn't mean it won't be good. I, I don't know, but... I don't I'll like... say it. It won't be good. Who's, who's writing it? <laughs> who's, um, who's writing it? Is it Jason Aaron? J- Jason Aaron. And uh, who else is his partner on this one? Uh, I, I can't Sorry. see it in the thing that you sent me. Jason, Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis. Ed, Ed, McGinnis, Ed McGinnis is yeah. doing the artwork. Uh, oh, yeah. so everybody will look nice and blocky. Um Jason Aaron's usually pretty good. I, I mean, the stuff of his I've read, I've liked. I haven't read his run on. He's doing X-Men now, right? No, that's Hickman. Hickman, he's doing Avengers? Oh, yeah. No, Aaron is doing uh, Avengers, but sorry. Yeah, Hickman's doing X-Men. X-Men, okay, so they kind of switched. Um, yeah. But other than that, I mean, I, I've, I've, I, don't, I don't know how his stuff right now is doing, but I've liked stuff of his I've read in the past. I like Scalped. I liked his stuff on Thor. Um and things like that but I just have event fatigue personally um, yeah. we, we had we had uh, um, absolute carnage last year this year we have the king in black which is another yeah. symbiote focused story you know although involving some of the same characters but it has some of the same kind of plot beats to it I feel like you know we've with this new one um, the heroes reborn 2021 style We've seen this story before, you know. What'd you say, John? It's like a what if. It's a yeah, it's exactly. Like a what yeah. Is. Yep. None of this is gonna stick. Well, and I don't think None it's meant. To, it's not meant to stick, is it? It's it's meant to be kind of a almost an Age of Apocalypse kind of thing. It's kind of a yeah. It's 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 gonna be their 2021 event. But did we just come off a uh, Reign of Kings or something like that? Then they just do a. Something oh, like that, going through well, the FF? That was in the Thor and F- Fantastic Four books. Okay, uh, yeah. War of the Realms. War of the Realms, that was it. War of the Realms. Well, because, you know, all this that stuff happens Marvel's. simultaneously. You know, <laughs> Carnage is running wild on Earth and turning everybody <laughs> into... Uh, Carnage symbiote? Yeah, into symbiote shells <laughs> with a symbiote on them. And, and uh, you know, the realms are at war, and you know... I think somebody made a comment once on one of our shows where it was like, man, it really sucked to live in the Marvel Universe because <laughs> every week there's a new cosmic right. 
universe level ending event happening. <laughs> well, it wasn't always that way. They had no. to build the universe and increase the uh, number of superheroes, and then it's ultimately once you overpopulate, they have to fight amongst themselves. So you know, it's a logical progression. I think I think Dave's right about event fatigue is right. Just tell just if you want to have a little little crossovers with something in a couple books, do it. But these these big events are they, they feel like they feel just like money grabs to me. So yep. Well, speaking of events, uh, <laughs> if you guys uh, haven't heard, and I'm sure you guys have, but uh, the listeners may not have heard that third degree burn is actually going to be part of a uh, an event this summer. Yeah. Uh, the Mary Marvel Marching Society in that will be going over Acts of Vengeance and of course uh, with John Byrne having a very heavy hand on that uh, we're going to be involved quite a bit so uh, look for that and there's, a, there's another event right because I, I had pulled um, you all in our little Facebook group because uh, you know uh, they were reprinting Acts of Vengeance the Omnibus and I didn't have a very strong recollection of that event. And so I reached out to you all and was like, hey, you know, should I order some of these for the store? And, you know, you, basically everybody was like, nah. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> what exactly what did you ask? You asked, do was I want to order good? the yeah. yeah, was it any good? That's the vengeance. Order? Yeah. And the response was, yeah, it is pretty good, but not the outliers. Right. Yeah, we were talking about was that the episode where we covered the uh, the burn story, but not the art on the Avengers. That's what we covered with uh, uh, Gene. Oh, okay. So and I and I had read I had read those books when they came off the shelf, and I bought them. But I had I had until I read them again. It's like I don't remember any of this. So I don't. It yeah. didn't leave a lasting impression with me. Um. I thought Acts of Vengeance was good. I thought it was an original concept. I thought it was executed pretty well. I followed the main court titles uh, through the Avengers, through the uh, West Coast Avengers, and a couple of the peripheral stories into Daredevil or Fantastic Four or Thor, a couple of them. But I didn't obsessively get everything. So when it came time to buy the, the, um, the Acts of Vengeance omnibus, I thought, oh, what a convenient way to get it all in one location. So I ordered the thing. And sure enough, the guy on eBay had listed Acts of Vengeance Omnibus. But what he meant was Acts of Vengeance Crossovers. And I got all the dreck. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Well. (laughs) I can just picture you reading it with a scowl. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to tell you the truth, it's sitting right next to me, and it's still sealed. <laughs> be a collector's oh. item someday, Kirk. Yeah, that's right. Because I only printed like twelve of them, and you have one one of the twelve. Uh, they well, are, the, other... the crossovers may be fine, and I'm sure that I read some of these and others I did not. But it's not the core theme, and that's what I thought that I was buying, and that's what I would be interested in in picking up for an omnibus. You know, you don't need all the outliers for that that event, but uh, I think they did a really good job, personally, uh, as we'll find out this summer. Yeah. Well, I, I think crossovers work best if you focus on maybe three book lines, 
instead of if it's a company wide, a lot of them feel shoehorned in because yeah. you've got to tell a, a writer, okay, well, you've got to, this is Act of Inches coming up or whatever. You've got to write a story, and they're like, Ugh, but it's going to make me stop what I'm doing, and I got to have to shoehorn right. this thing in. So just do, you know, like three or four books and let them intermingle and let the other ones, you know, tell their stories. Yeah, see, and I have no problem with that, you know, and, and like um, you mentioned, uh, War of the Realms. So one of my favorite books right now is Venom by Donny Cates. And that story was stopped in its tracks because of War of the Realms. And we had, I think it was either two or three fill-in issues with a different writer uh, writing the tie-in to that uh, that event. And it was like, what the hell? You know, we had a perfectly good story going, great momentum, and it just like hit a brick wall. Well, Bart himself has said when he had to shoehorn in the the Beyonder when he was doing FF, he didn't didn't want to do it, but he had no choice. Well, the other Marvel news I wanted to talk about because I think it's very fitting since um, and I haven't been on all the episodes is X Men the X Men Else One episodes is Marvel coming to your comic book shop and on February seventeenth, twenty twenty one is a new, brand new series called X Men Legends. And I'm going to read you the previews solicit. You tell me if this sounds familiar. All new tales starring your favorite X-Men spanning classic eras. It says, break out the yellows and blues, fire up the danger room, and snap on your pouches as legendary X-Men writers return to classic eras of the mutant superheroes in all new, in-continuity stories set during their fan-favorite runs. Fabian Dikeza? Uh, this is a kicks off the series with a special saga of Cyclops and Havoc as the Shi'ar return to Earth in search of the Forsaken One. But what secret will the Summers Brothers uncover and how will its revelation change what you thought you knew about the X-Men? Get hmm. ready for a story decades in the making and come back each month as we dive deeper to expand the X-Men mythos. Welcome back, Legends. Hope you survive the experience. <laughs> So it sounds like they're letting the writer pick kind of what era they want to yeah. write a story in. I guess. So it sounds like these may be one and dones. Uh, no, but it's got this everything you know is wrong idea, uh. too. I mean, that's what that sounds like right there. And it, it's almost kind of like they're just saying, let's just go ahead and write this to combat burn. <laughs> well, I am. It's just, uh, just I didn't see retcon in big letters. It's like, let's change something. Okay, and John, how'd you say his last name? Nicieza. I think that's what it is. Fabian Nicieza. He's the one that got the um, New Warriors yeah. off the ground really in a really good place. He's uh, a good writer. I like his stuff. Yeah. So him and Brett Booth are on issues one and two. And then issue three. Let's see. It's Claremont yeah, coming, Louis, Claremont no, coming back Simonson today? And Walter Simonson. Oh, I picked that, well, that up just because it's Walt Simonson. This one is, the solicit is the original X Factor returns to Battle Apocalypse. Uh, I just learned something interesting about X Factor that I didn't know. Obviously, it was a vehicle to get the original X-Men back together again. Yeah. And they jumped through hoops to get Jean Grey which yeah. I won't beat the whole thing, but apparently the original concept was, well, yes, let's get the original um, X-Men together, 
But gee, Jean's dead. So who's the female going to be? Oh, it's the Dazzler. And that's what the original <laughs> pitch was. That she was to fill that slot until somebody, maybe Burns, but somebody said, I, I have a way to get her back. Kurt Busiek <laughs> actually came up with the way to bring Jean Grey back. Oh, I thought it was Burns. Well, he, I mean, Burn is the one that put it in paper, but it got changed up anyway. With the oh, egg? Yeah. What the Burns egg in the said, river? Even, even, uh, cocoon. Yeah, the, the whole cocoon thing, yeah. Egg, cocoon, same thing. <laughs> no, they were tricking us. They were tricking us that it was him. So, very interesting, you know, if you're liking Elswens, you may like this series. Uh, I, I do think pretty ironic that they launched this series and here's Byrne been plugging around, plugging along <laughs> for the last couple of years, writing kind of in a similar type of series and they don't at least ask him back to launch the series. He's I pretty just, much you know, said he's not interested in working with Marvel. He, yeah. I mean, that's, he, he had an open door to work with him on this and they they definitely showed to him that he didn't want an editorial hand to sit there and say, yes, you can do this. No, you can't do that. No, you can't use this character, even though there's no reason to tell him no. And if if you've been reading elsewhere, they just finished issue 18 today and burn dropped two pages. Now the first page that he dropped was the, the actual ending of the issue the second page was a very, and even as Burn put it, meta page where he gave kind of a mea culpa uh, on, on Colossus. Kirk's holding and, up his COVID package. Yeah, yeah. they're watching him <laughs> un- unwrap his package. Hey, this is something we've seen before in, like, uh, in, in uh, Star Trek New Visions and back yeah. in the days Burn finds a way to represent himself a little bit and he doesn't you know, draw himself or anything you just see his hands uh, it's almost like in the Bugs Bunny cartoon where they erase Daffy and draw him back in there Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see who they get to come back and either write and draw stories or just write a story I'm assuming Claremont's going to be on the roster somewhere oh yeah he didn't seem to have a problem working with Marvel so I think he'd be back no and they just had their Claremont celebration that's got a really chap burn. <laughs> no, not really. I, you know, the thing is, is that is that he doesn't hate Claremont. I mean, he's critical of the way Claremont writes because the the difference between the two is that you know Burn writes the comics within the framework of the of the characters you know he's he's given to to create that comic book story. Claremont comes in and takes the characters and then writes them into the stories that he wants to tell. So where, where Burns got the X-Men, you know, going up against Sentinels, going up against, you know, Marvel characters that we know and love and everything, Claremont's got him going out to space and running into new characters like the Star Jammers or running into Dracula or, you know, other things. You know, Claremont just tells the story he wants to tell and the X-Men are, are part of it. Where Byrne tells X Men stories. Yeah, not, I think, no, I'm I think, not I th- saying one is better than the other. I'm just saying that it's the difference between the two styles, and they grade on each other. But that's why they work so well together. Yeah. I think Byrne's method seems to be a little more limiting, but uh, I, I guess you could argue that maybe he has a, a, a better feel for the characters. But yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, Claremont wrote it for 18 years. I mean, it's kind of hard not to, you know. 
to think that he wasn't doing something right. But uh, again, I'm not. I'm not saying one is right. Better I understand. Than yeah. Well, that brings us to our last topic then. So, as as Brian alluded to earlier, um, as part of keeping everybody sane during COVID times, uh, I sent out some care packages to uh, to my compatriots here, to Tim and, and Brian and John and Kirk, and sent them a, a selection of, uh, I think it was 10 or 11 comics, something like that, and a Fantastic Four 2021 calendar. Uh just to give them something to read, something new. Yeah, there he is. Kirk holding up the. Yeah, that calendar. Really cool. It's a centerfold. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite. Yeah. Great covers. Um, just for something to do, and and you know, through a little bit of everything in there, there's a the the die comic. By the way, that's the one Brian I said was the uh, uh, Dungeon and Dragons inspired one. Oh, okay. I, so, I haven't gotten to that one yet. Yeah, so when you get to that one, I think you're going to really like that. But So, Brian, you said you've already kind of dived into a few of them. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the first one that no. I opened up was the Incredible Hulk number one. And this is the Peter David Dale Keown Last Call. Uh, now, is this, this is what, two years ago this came out? Or did this came out? Yeah. No, this came out in 2000... Uh, is it 19 or... I can't read this. It's too small. <laughs> uh, last call. I forget. But and and classic you know, classic writer and artist though from yeah. era. And you know, I found myself in it going, "What the hell happened?" Okay, so this character's no longer around, and Dale Keown's art looks more like um, what's his name uh, that um, used to make the creepy looking Christopher Reeve. Um, Oh, you know the, uh, yeah, I know you're talking about. I can't think of his name, but I know the artist you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, Keown's art, uh, in, in some of the inkers that they got, and they got four inkers working on this with yep. him, Farmer, Scott Hanna, both of which I like their work, Mark Deering, Walden Wong, I've never heard of. And you never heard you know, of Walden Wong? Not, not, in the, the, no, I, I, again, I, I'm it, just I, messing with you. I've never heard of him yeah. either. But uh, the art, the art just says it looks like he stopped trying to do that John Byrne, Alan Davis look, and Ooh. now is trying to do the. Um, is it Christopher Frank? Uh, the uh, Gary Frank. Gary Frank, yeah, yeah. That um, it, it looks like he's trying to to be more like him, and I I, I want Dale Keown to be his own style. Yeah, I'm and, looking at uh, it right now, and I. I just opened it up, and you're absolutely right. This is does not look like Keown. Not what I liked. This yeah. looks... And in this read, just like any of the Peter David stories that I read in the the 90s. You know? The 80s and the 90s. Is that a good thing 90s. or not a good thing? It's, it's okay. You know, it, it wasn't a bad read. It was a good read. Uh, I got through it and I was like, okay, this is cool. And I knew who the characters were, uh, the villain that came in towards the end. And I caught most of the references. I was disappointed by certain things, but that's just the, you know, what happens when the story goes on this long. Um, but, you know, that being said, it looks, it looks good. It doesn't look great, but it looks good. It looks better than most comics that I've seen lately. So, you know, you can't complain a whole lot. But th- it, but this one is kind of a throwback yeah. to the older comics, the one that we do love. 
Now, the next one that I read Uh-oh. was the J.J. Abrams Spider-Man. Oh, wait, before, before you go there, so just yeah. for those following along at home that may not be aware of the Incredible Hulk last call, it was a one-shot comic that um, the solicit is, in his 12-year stint on the Incredible Hulk, Peter David redefined the Green Goliath for generation of fans and creators. Artist Dale Kwan drew some of the run's most beloved and influential issues. Now the pair return to their incredible collaboration for a special oversized one-shot issue, and Bruce Banner is tired of being the Hulk. Heck, he's tired of being. Just uh, when he's about to lose all hope, a miracle occurs, a fight worthy of the Incredible Hulk. Now, did it meet that solicit? Yeah, it it did, and I mean, as far as the story went, I felt this was more of a um, Hulk smash kind of Hulk. Yeah, (laughs) that's Um, true. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the uh, Peter David Del Keown Hulk that we saw, where he had Banner's intelligence and the combined psyches that uh, had you know had him with an even temperament. Um, and so you're back to the Banner kind of on the run, um, and, and this time he's actually really thinking about uh, making a permanent change. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind it, oh, that's kind of cool. And then the sucker shot at the end, just kind of, okay. <laughs> and this does not does not line up at all. I think that the reason why they did it as a one shot is because it does yeah. not fit into the current Immortal Hulk run at all. Right. And I'm, totally I'm actually different. interested in the Immortal Hulk. I'm probably going to have to go and, and get that. But I want to turn my attention to this J.J. Abrams. <laughs> Sarah Pacelli, Henry Abrams, Spider-Man thing. And now, Henry Abrams is J.J. Abrams' son, and Sarah Pacelli is a well-known artist. The and front of Spider-Man and Mary Jane there looks like a black and blood-red background with red webbing about them. And I'm going, okay, so let's see what they can do. And the story that we get on the inside... Just, uh, you know, I mean, the artwork is interesting, but the characters are virtually unrecognizable. Well, this uh, this this cover art is atrocious. Well, yeah, but it, at the same time, it's Peter and Mary Jane as Spider Man and Mary Jane, and you're just like, okay, if that's what we're going to see, then I, I'm not, not going to have a problem with that. What you see in the story is. I don't know. The art is sequential. It gives you information, but the story is the last thing that I want to see. And then the jump that they make, everything that goes on in there, what you see of Peter, what you see of this, what is now the main character of the story. Um, No, I I just, I was so glad when this thing was done and I do not want to see the next one. That's... Mm -hmm. That's just my thoughts and feelings on it. Um, yeah, the artwork inside is not I, the artwork inside is not bad, not as bad as a no, cover. No, and and you know, again, I it, it's I don't want to say I hated it because you know I was in a way entertained, but I was almost entertained by offense. <laughs> <laughs> if that makes any sense, you it's know? like the people that listen to Howard Stern the longest are the ones that can't stand him. Because they're just waiting to be outraged. <laughs> no, not not even that. It's like um, you go to see a movie, 
and at the beginning of the movie, the character that you love is is going to be reunited with the character he loves, and you're just waiting for that. But the the story takes a left turn at some point, and you're just waiting for him to get to to point B. And the whole movie is about him at A and a half, where you don't want to be. And and that's kind of what this book does. It just goes the direction you don't want to go, and it's never coming back. So I don't disagree with you on the cover. Uh, it is by Oliver Coypel, who can do much better. Yeah. Um, I thought Mary Jane's face looked like she got hit with sticks. Um, well, her face in the rest of the book. Yeah. Well, well, point. She looks like Peter just dropped her and she's fixing to fall. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. And her pants are split open. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> I can't lose another one like this. And the solicit for this book, by the way, so this is an oversized book. It's 40 pages, just like the last one we talked about. Um, goes something like this. Who is Cadaverous? The most shocking and incredible comic of 2019 is here. Is J.J. Abrams, and they list his credits. And his son, Henry Abrams, who has no credits, by the way, are joined by superstar artist Sarah Pacelli. Uh, a bunch of credits for her. Team up for Spider-Man. What do they have planned for Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson? Who is Cadaverous? <laughs> The modern master of mystery makes his marvel this September. Did it, did it live up to that hype for you, Brian? <laughs> no, no, no. And I mean, you know, the thing is, what what continuity were they pulling from when they started the story? None. It's totally because, original. Totally original because the Aunt May aspect of it really had me kind of freaked out. I couldn't tell if this was supposed to be the Aunt May from Ultimate Spider-Man. Because if it was supposed to be the Aunt, Aunt May from the original continuity, she had to be like 90-something. Well, this looks like... Aunt May this, was already pretty old. This Aunt May looks like Uncle Ben and Drag. Yeah! Yes! In, in fact, there was one one panel uh, there where he's talking to her on the phone. I thought it was like Jay Silverheels in Drag. <laughs> but... Yeah, this was this was bad, bad, bad. Well, and I'll say this: How old is you think is Henry Abrams? I didn't know J.J. Abrams had a, a son old enough. Or I mean, I think I don't know how old J.J. Abrams is, but you think this kid's 18, 19? I'd have to Google it. I don't know. It, <laughs> this is a limited series, by the way, which to, for Brian is probably thank God. Um, it, it's only five issues. Um, and it, yes, it is set in its own universe and, you know, doesn't affect continuity outside of it. So it's, it's kind like of like a uh, spider girl that, uh, DeFalco did when it DeFalco did spider girl. That was kind yeah. of an alternate universe. Yeah. Like, a, like an, like an else world, like a DC yeah. book, you know, or they just can kind of play with the characters, but it doesn't impact the larger universe. Well, it's like anything else, you know, this you know, it may be terrible, but, or, you know, I haven't read it yet, so I don't know if it's terrible, but it's, if you don't like it, there's plenty of Spider-Man right. that, that I like that I can go back to and read. So it's like, yeah, this maybe this is somebody yeah, else's thing. It, yeah, it's when I read a Spider-Man story, I want a Spider-Man story, and it just went the direction that I didn't want it to go. That's all. Um, there's going to be people out there that are going to look at this and they're going to love it. They're going to love the artwork. They're going to love the story. Uh, younger kids uh, will be able to relate to a number of things and probably really enjoy it. It's just it, it wasn't wasn't for me. 
Is, have no, you read I've this? Not... Uh, have you read the Dark Knight book that he gave us? Dark Knight Returns yet, no. to Golden Child. I, I, I haven't read that. I mean, yeah, I only had yesterday and today to really read. Yeah. And <laughs> the uh, the next one that I read though um, is what I think is the crowning jewel of the set. Okay. And that's the Star Trek book, IDW, the one mm. shot Hell's Mirror. With Khan. With Khan. I'm looking forward to that first, when I can know? read and that. What? I'm looking forward to reading that. Yeah, and and I, I won't I won't spoil anything. I mean, obviously, it's a mirror universe story, so you know this isn't the Khan that we saw in Space Seed or the Wrath of Khan. It is a it is a you know the Khan in that universe, and he doesn't get woke up by Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. He gets woke up by other people, and of course wakes up to that mirror universe with the uh, the you know the the Empire, and what they do with him. And this is written by J.M. Demetrius. And of course, yep. you know, if if you've read Spider-Man, if you've read Justice League, Justice League International, uh, you know, he's written so many great stories over the years. And he is, you know, the, you know, he was a comic book writer in the 80s, the 90s that uh, was always consistent and always pretty good, always knew his material. And he wrote in good voice. And what I mean is that when I was reading this, I was reading Khan's dialogue and I could hear Ricardo Mamabot. <laughs> what? And of course, I, I, could, I could hear William Shatner. I could hear Leonard Nimoy. Well, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't Mirror Universe Khan be like weak and timid and nice? No. Again, read it. I'll tell you right now. Like I said, this is my favorite one so far. And I loved the ending of this. Uh, it just, you know, it was like, wow, okay. And you know what's the best part? The best part is I was is, as, as I finish the story and I get to the back and the, the IDW like, like really packs the back of a book with a bunch of ads for other, yep. uh, other books and stuff. And you get to this one page of all Star Trek and you're just like, wow, this is great. They've got, you know, the Star Trek and the Legion of Superheroes, Planet of the Apes, Transformers, Green Lantern. And I said, man, they should have mentioned John Byrne in here somewhere. And then I flip the page and I get a full page ad for Star Trek New Visions. There you go. So I was happy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really, really enjoyed that. I'm glad. I'm about to dig that one up and read it. Then I picked up Uh-oh. House of X and Powers of X. Now, this is the Jonathan Hickman reboot of the X-Men universe and it is right. he is the ultimate overlord over everything X-Books still and the first book I, I read and it took me several hours I kept falling asleep <laughs> um, he's got at times he can get Claremontian wordy like yes. you know you think and he, he loves to throw in these encyclopedia pages um, that that describe a bunch of things or give history or give you, you know, poignant information about the story, and it you know it's it's interesting. The artwork in it looks really really good. Yep. In this first one, and of course uh, he brings in this the uh, what I call the Stepford Cuckoos. Um, Everyone that, that calls also, them Stepford Cuckoos. Yeah, but they were also represented on the TV series The Gifted. And the actress that portrayed them uh, just nailed it. You need to check her out. She was really good at that. Um, yeah, but th- this first book wasn't bad. Um, but I would get to some pages and I just like, oh god, I have to read a lot here. 
<laughs> oh, heaven forbid. Uh, now, you know, it I doesn't did, take I, I, 10 minutes to read the book. <laughs> it, 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 it doesn't, and I, I wouldn't call it decompressed storyline. Um, so the first issue, again, wasn't bad, but it did, you know, raise a lot of questions. And there were so many characters that I'm unfamiliar with yeah. because it, it, it uses pretty much any of the... Uh, the mutant characters that any of the writers that have d come in over the years have added in, you know, Grant yeah. Morrison and other other writers have come in. So, you know, there was a lot of questions. And I hope a lot they come back Marrow. I couldn't tell you. Um, I'm the being second facetious. book, Powers of X, uh, yeah, I got about halfway through before we had to start here. And I want, now the second book was not quite as good as the first one. And it's got so many time jumps around it. Yes. That uh, and, and so many unfamiliar characters that I'm just like, well, when am I going to get to somebody I, I I know, you know? And yeah, you uh, know Charles Xavier. He's one of the main focuses of the book. Yeah, he's right. the he's but, the bald guy. And Moira. When I see a character that's named Rasputin that looks like it's got a combination of Colossus and Nightcrawler powers. That really makes me wonder what what Colossus and Nightcrawler have been doing with their knights. <laughs> <laughs> well, the books are two convergent uh, timelines for the X Men. Yeah, and, and so uh, the further you read in the series, and there there are six issue, six issue, seven issue, I can't remember ser uh, series, um, and they they play off each other. And I think in the back of each one of the books, it tells you like what the reading order is. Yeah. So, David, how is this rebooting the. Is it like. Is he like retconning everything? Or is he retelling their whole story? Or how is he. Uh... No, this is a like a completely fresh start um, for the X Men in terms of their presence in the universe. And their yeah, place. no Lucifer. No Lucifer. <laughs> right. And their place. Um, I don't want to say they're standing in the world. But that whole power dynamic changes because of this, this these two books, hmm. and he basically, you know, uh, brings the X Men up into prominence of importance in the global community. Oh, okay, we'll have to look at these from can what I, they do. Can I say I really hate the fact that, and this is mostly Marvel because I haven't really noticed it with DC, that there is doesn't seem to be any cohesive look for the covers. There's not a consistent banner or logo or... I mean, I kind of miss that, where they all look... You could tell they were all Marvel books because they had a similar layout. The artwork yeah. was different, but the layout was the same. And now it's like, whatever you want to do, yeah, that's it. And just as long as it says Marvel and you put a number on it. So, <laughs> that, that's my gripe for tonight. And, and Tim, you wanted to bring up uh, Dark Knight... The golden Child. I haven't read it. I just was just kind of curious as to how how does this fit in with because I've read Dark Knight Returns and I read yep. Dark Knight Returns Strikes Back Strikes Back and then there's a third one, isn't there? Yes, yeah, Master, Master Race. Race. I haven't read Master, Master Race. Race. I haven't read that one. Is this after Master Race? Yes. So it's a continuation of those characters. Because I heard Master you know, Race was shot. kind of loathed. I don't. I haven't read it, but I think it it went across very well, did it? I liked it personally quite a bit. How long ago did Master Race come out? Uh, it's been five, four, five, five years. years. Yeah. yeah, it's like 2015, 2016, something like that. Yeah. 
his artwork looked like it's gotten a little better because the, the Dark Knight Strikes Back, I thought his artwork was just really goofy. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, the thing is, that's why he's only doing the covers now and other artists are coming in and doing the actual book uh, artwork. Okay. So, yeah, that's, and that's the thing is that you had, uh, what, what, was it Jim Lee that was doing um, the, the other one, the Master Race? Uh, I'd have to look it up, but I know on Golden Child, um, Raphael Gramba did yeah. Mo- yeah. most of the art on that one. Now I've got the the first book of Superman Year One, and that was Jay uh, Jr. Jr. that uh, was doing the artwork, and that was a lot better than his other Superman stuff. I will not read another Superman book drawn by Junior Jr. I oh, yeah? hate him drawing Superman. I cannot stand it. <laughs> They look horrible. Junior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll leave it at that. I could have a whole show on that because that he, the new 52 run of Superman was moving along at such a great clip. And then he came in. This is when he joined DC and it was going to be like this huge deal. He was going to draw, you know, the Superman book. And that first issue came out and there was like a collective WTF in the comic community because. His art was so bad. Yeah, I'd say take a look at, at uh, his uh, Superman Year One. Now, I've only got the first book. I need to get the other ones. Um, I just, you know, I, I picked this one up on a whim when I was in uh, Ronnie's shop. And um, after reading, I was like, okay, I, I like this. I like uh, everything that they're doing here. And um, so I need to go and finish it. Uh, I think I have some credit there. So I may just go and. Who's writing? Going, Brian, who's writing your one? Frank Miller. Oh. Yeah. And it's it's John Romita Jr. on the art, and like I said, it's not the 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 art is very very tight. It's uh, magazine it's sized, by the yeah. way. So just be prepared; it's not going to fit in your comic book boxes. And Danny Mickey does the art, uh, does the inks. So uh, you know, either he's tightening up the uh, the artwork, but no, it looks. It looks like um, JRJR, but it's got like a third dimension to it that you don't typically see in his artwork. You can see the distances between the characters in the foreground and the background. That um, his artwork know, became really you know, kind of sketchy, and I li- I, li- I like Ramita Jr. The, 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 the artwork in, in this is is pretty good. It's golly, it's it's kind of like you took Starbrand, you melded it with. Um, kick ass but added more dimension to it and more clarity again i think the anchor did a lot in this yeah but it's obviously john Romita jr art well i think his art fits there are certain artists that fit certain styles and he may be like i loved his run when he was doing punisher war uh, war zone war journal yeah uh and he's maybe better for batman he may not be uh, i've only read a little bit of his stuff that he did in superman and he may not be uh the yeah. image on the, the last page of year one it, of, of Clark Kent, it looks like Tom Welling. Interesting. Yeah, let's see here. His, his To me, his art became so hyper-stylized, it just is distracting. And I, I have read year one. I do agree with you that his art looks much better in that book. Oh, yeah, uh, that looks know. like, yeah, that, that, that looks a little more like he's pulled back a little bit, yeah. Yeah, but that is not how he draws in the monthly periodicals. So if you pick up just because he was just drawn 
action kind of like? Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's kind of like what he was, was doing kick ass, yeah. It's horrible. Yep. Okay, let me shut that off. Yeah. I had dirty laundry back here. This is Brian's <laughs> just sitting in his underwear. Oh no. Ooh. I'm dressed. No, he's probably he's probably Donald Duck and he's got a top on but no buttons. <laughs> Stop it, Tim, I can only get so hard. But you know, um, I'll say this is the most comic books I've read in a sitting in I'd say five years. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, again, uh, well, I, I, I've been reading all my comics off of my tablet and, mm. you know, like I've been doing binge reading of stuff that I've read before. So it's not like reading a comic where you're absorbing what's going on. It's you're skimming something you've read before. So you're looking over the art that you love and you, you'll probably <clears throat> glance past the, the dialogue because you're already familiar with it. Um, and now with Acts of Vengeance, I've been going back and going through the, the entire series and kind of reading it. But it's been slow because, you know, I rarely have enough free time to sit down and binge something uh, that much. But, you know, this week I tried to make time to go through these because, uh, yep, there you go. Uh, because, you know, I wanted to talk about them tonight. And so I got through a number of these, but <laughs> I haven't got all of them. Wow. Kurt's <laughs> holding up his sealed omnibus. That's a tomb, all right. It'll stay sealed. Now, there's one here we haven't talked about. It's called Hashtag Danger. Yep. From Ahoy Comics. And this is something, uh, you know, I'm not familiar with at all. I told you I threw a little bit of everything in there for you. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, this is this is cool stuff. Now, the, the one thing I found interesting is that in all the Marvel books, they all had the Stan Lee quote on race. Yeah. Which um, I've always loved that. And so this leads me to believe that all these books came out virtually in the same month, same time, in 98. 98. 20, uh, 2019. They had, <laughs> 2018. 19, yeah. Yeah, they had, they had quotes. They still put in some quotes um, every now and then in, in the Marvel books from Stan Lee. Well, this is the thing is, every one of them had that exact same one yeah. from 1968. About yeah. race and bigotry. You're talking about a quote from uh, Stan Soapbox, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so I was, uh, I was like, so I figured that all these came out pretty much the same month. What else did I put in there? Hashtag hmm. danger. We talked about Hulk last yeah. call. The deceased and dead. They're deceased. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. That's uh, like DC zombies. You might like that. Deceased Dead Planet. Yeah, Th Dead uh, that Thanos it. book too. Thanos number one. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I, I never got to that one. That's one I'm looking forward to. But you know, it, I'll be honest with you. In all my years reading Marvel and and in all the books, I have never read a single story with Thanos in it. Really? You didn't read? You didn't read it, uh, the other couple series he's had? No, not the not any of the oh. Infinity books because you know they were either before or after my time, mm. and uh, you know when when uh, Jim Starlin and Ron Lim were starting to work together on a lot of stuff, and that's when some a lot of the Infinity books were coming in. I just wasn't feeling the Marvel cosmic stuff. You know, I was I was going in a different direction, and then I just kind of got you know eh, around ninety four ninety five. I just got away from comics, and you know when I went back. I was cherry picking heavily, 
what mm. I was reading, you know, John Byrne or right. George Perez and, and, you know, specific things. And uh, you're staying in your lane is what you're saying. Yeah, I'm staying in my lane. And, yeah. you know, the thing is, it didn't, you know, ruin my enjoyment of what, what we saw in the MCU. I thought, you know, that what they did was really, really good. But, you know, the things that I knew of Thanos, they departed from, you know, that that love affair that he was always trying to have with death. Right. Uh, and such. And even this this book here, Thanos, looks like it is drawing heavily from MCU uh, in, in showing his relace, relation with uh, Gamora, his relationship with Gamora. Well, I think they're slowly kind of incorporating. Yeah, making the, the comics match more the MCU because they figure more people are familiar with the MCU than they are with the actual paper uh, books. I'm looking at this uh, Dark Knight right now, and it looks the artwork looks like a cross between Quietly and Miller. I'm Which gonna, I would complain about. I'm that's, getting a Quietly vibe from good. it. It's a pretty good book. It's out there in terms of the story that it tells. No, that's anything that he does lately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Miller's a little goofball, but... Hey, yesterday was his birthday. Oh, was it? Or I should say day before yesterday was his birthday. He's probably Ooh. like 62, but he looks like he's 110. <laughs> 64, <laughs> I believe. Hey. <laughs> I you know you don't look like you're 110. Frank Miller... Heck, everybody thought Miller was going to die. Yeah, he was... For years. Yeah. <laughs> looked like he was knocking on the door. Well, he looks like a heavy smoker or something. He's just kind of worn himself out. Well, I mean, it's obvious the guy has done a serious amount of drugs over the years. And if you read anything, did you ever read Ronan? That yeah. right there's a drug trip in itself. Don't get me wrong, I love Ronan. But, um, yeah, I mean, Miller's done <laughs> his uh, his uh, experimentation. But, Everything uh, no, catches up with you in the end, right? Yeah. I heard something interesting about Miller's uh, graphic novels, and your mentioning of Ronan brought it up, or brought it to memory. The funny thing is, each time he turned something out, it sold like the one before it. So in other words, Ronan sold like hotcakes because it followed The Dark Knight Returns. Or Dar Dark Knight, yeah. Dark yeah, Knight, Knight Returns. Return. So it sold like crazy, but it was so trippy that the next thing he put out sold really poorly. And yet it was great. So, it, it, you know, it's like every other thing that yeah, he put the, out. Yeah, the finishing returns was, yeah. And if, if I remember, the stuff that he followed up Ronan with was like, give me liberty with... Uh, Which was great. It, but, and that had, what's his name, that did uh, Watchmen, the artwork on Watchmen, Dave Gibbons, right? Yeah, yeah. Did, um, you, did you hear that Kirk Bryan didn't agree with you? He didn't disagree with you. <laughs> well, he didn't I, agree I, with you either. I read the first book it gave me liberty and had no interest in going forward. Hmm. Well, I mean, you say know, what you I mean, no, great. I would say say what you will about Miller. He kind of, I mean, with Dark Knight Returns, he set a pattern for Batman that they are still following to this day. I mean, yeah. he kind of I mean, he, he changed the whole comic industry with yeah. that book. Yeah. Um, give me liberty. By the way, it was published in 1990, and it's a four-issue miniseries with art by Dave Gibbons. Interesting. It spawned a couple of sequels too. Martha Washington goes to I don't know something. Yeah, like that. that's that's the title I'm familiar with, the Martha Washington one. Kirk, did yeah. you run in the uh, Did you run in the Athens Marathon? 
Uh, no, communication staff. I uh, I slipped away and changed it into something more comfortable. Hmm. But uh, now I realized you weren't. It. <laughs> what? <laughs> now Kirk is Donald ducking it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you must. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> Only get so hard, Kirk. <laughs> I, I'm not going there. <laughs> Don't give me any straight lines. I'll. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean the the thing is with Miller is that you know he had some really uh, some areas where he ran really hot, and yeah. I think that the thing I loved was his collaborations with Bill Sienkiewicz. You know when he did um, the the Electra graphic novel or the Electra miniseries. And then, of course, there was the Daredevil graphic novel, Love and War, which I thought were really, really good. But those were, what, 86? I guess those were around the same time as the Dark Knight Returns. Well, he was great up to uh, Dark Knight Returns. It was afterwards that he kind of uh, started rubbing people the wrong way. I mean, I don't know what, what if it was his, his leanings all- one way or another or just him being kind of irascible or, or what, but... Well, still, when you get into the 90s, he, you know, I mean, in the 80s, you know, he finished up the 80s with what, uh, the covers to Lone Wolf and Cub, you know, the Batman Year One, uh, Daredevil Born Again, which was all great stuff. String and of hits. In the 90s is that, you know, he, he did Sin City, he did the 300, he did Hard Boiled with Jeff Darrow, which I don't know if any of you read that. I've got that book and it yeah, is. Yeah, I've read quick. it. Yeah, is awesome. Of course, all the, all those books you just mentioned are great. Yeah, the, and, 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 and Jeff Darrow's of course con- conceptual artist for the Matrix movies. Um, but then it, you know he also wrote RoboCop two and RoboCop three, which <laughs> people have strong feelings about. Uh, and, and so when when at this point in his career, you know there were things that were happening. He was getting Hollywood money. And you know what happens when you start getting Hollywood money? You get other things out of Hollywood. You have mm. cameos <laughs> in your own movies. Yeah, but you also do a lot of the Hollywood coke and uh, and other. Things. But you know Package he started Tony Stank. <laughs> <laughs> but you know he was doing what RoboCop versus Terminator. Yeah. Which you know, uh, I, uh, Walt Simonson did the artwork on that. I like that story. That's pretty good. Yeah, that was. But that was that was like so weird. But I, I I think you know he spent so much time in Sin City, and you know that that if if you didn't like noir, you know you probably weren't going to like that. I loved it myself. I thought I loved Sin City from beginning to end. But you know anything else that he did, what what did he do? Big guy and Rusty, the boy Ish. robot. That's him. I didn't know that was him. Well, Jeff Darrow did the artwork, I think, on that. Um, and I think, by the way, just as a side note, I think the last RoboCop book, I had to look it up, was RoboCop Last Stand, which was for Boom in 2013. Hmm. So he was still writing RoboCop stories up until uh, pretty recently. Yeah, I, I think the area where, he, where he really... There's Sin a City? Lot. I've yeah. got them all. <laughs> um, but I think it was when The Dark Knight Strikes Again came out that people started looking at him through the side of their eyes. That's where the artwork was like, you're, you're wanting to see something that looks more like Dark Knight Returns, and it looked more like um, a Picasso painting. Do you realize that was Picasso 20 painting. years ago this year? And Dark Knight oh, Returns? 
Was that Dark not Knight, the one Dark with Knight Superman? Strikes again. It was only a three three volume set. Mm-hmm. Dark Strikes Back is twenty years old. Yeah. Ugh. Strikes again. Strikes, strikes again. again. Yeah, two thousand one. I didn't realize it was ever. I thought it was also a lot of it. Again, I don't want to bring this up, but I thought some of his political leanings were rubbing people the wrong way too. Yes. Um, stuff sure. stuff he had said. So, um, and then what did what was the Batman he did? Was it uh, Ultimate Batman? All Star All Star Batman. Batman. Wasn't that kind of oh, oh, oh. nobody All-Star liked that? Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder. Yeah. Isn't that where he slaps Robin in the face? He says, "I'm the goddamn yeah. Batman." I'm the guy. Yeah, I'm a goddamn yeah. Batman. And See, he yeah. black canary keep doing it out on the docks. And you know the funny that was thing drawn is, by Jim Lee, I never saw an issue after that one. It's like either people stopped pre-ordering it, no, or there was no interest in it. Finish it. They didn't finish it. Was that it? Jim Lee that was Jim just Lee's stopped. Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't. He wouldn't do anymore because it was just too, too, too nuts for him. Too uh, misogynist. Yeah. I'm going to have to modify that line with my kids when they ask me for something and they keep bugging me. I'm going to turn them to, I'm the goddamn dad. <laughs> you can be like, uh, what's the guy on YouTube, Bat Dad? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I have enough uh, real Batman masks. I could just pull one of those out and put it on. Uh, Kirk, to answer your question, for a comic series, there was Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, uh, Sin City, Hell and Back, Sin City, that yellow bastard. I remember that one. Sin City, the big fat kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. And that's it. For nope, com- family values. Oh, family values. Yeah. Well, was that a? No, well, that was a graphic novel, wasn't it? That wasn't yeah, actually. They, they all were when they were collected. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm talking just comic series, like periodicals, monthly. What was the first one? Was uh, with Marv. A dame to kill for. Yeah, I think that's the, that's about six. I can't yep. remember, but can't keep them straight. But boy, were they strong! Ooh, stylized. Very much so. And those are not very expensive comics either. I think there were, you know, a lot of them were printed because you can pick up, you know, very fine near mint copies anywhere between two and five dollars. You gotta like that black and white though. Um, because you know, I mean, that's just the the way that he did it. Um, the original one, of course, was just Sin City, and that was the mm-hmm. the story with Marv. Okay, that's what I'm remembering now. Oh yeah, golly, I loved all that stuff. And now I want to read that again. Thanks. Maybe I'll <laughs> watch the movie with Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mickey was perfect for Marv. I mean, it was just like... That that was just like one of those great moments where everything just gelled. And, you know, uh, (laughs) Elijah... Mickey face was still jacked up. Elijah Wood (laughs) in there as what's-his-name. Golly, I can't remember the character's name. The one that that kept uh, beating up on Marv. The cannibal guy? Um, Yeah. Kevin, is that is that what he was? Kevin? I don't know. He never never spoke at all. I know. The one that killed Goldie. Yeah. Well, guys, I don't need to. Uh, I'm sure Kirk's probably tired. We've been going on for about two and a half hours, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We want to pull our plug. 
Okay. I, think we've, I think we've done a pretty good job of covering just, you know, whatnot. Did, you guys, did huh? you guys talk any about uh, the Elswin? Not yet, no. Not really, because I, I think we're, we're going to do an episode on um, the next two issues that, um, in, in you know, in line with what we've done so far. And we don't want to spoil anything. We did talk about the last page a little right. bit, just the, right. the the meta yes. page in there, and not much more beyond that. I didn't really even say what it was. Right. Just that it was kind of a treat, but it, at the same time, it's burn being burn. Mm-hmm. Have you guys looked at the first page or first two pages of that particular, for lack of a better word, issue? The I think it's the 18th one. Now, I, I haven't seen 17, but... 18 I was flipping through because of the comments that that you are sharing and and you know nobody wants to spoil it but the setting for the 18th splash page has made me wonder how far we are from the end of Burns uh, issues and if this is all going to be folded into another concept well anyway. you know and and what Burn had said um was that he was considering, you know, he wanted to go back to the commissions he's done and write the stories that lead up to those commissions. Mm. So, and that, of course, leaves the possibility of of DC Marvel crossovers and a lot of different character stories that just look crazy. Uh, I'm interested in that. Yeah, are we into that phase now? No. No. Okay. I think what this is leading into is uh, in the art of John Byrne that came out in what, 81, 82 or something like that. Oh, yes. There was that panel of, uh, of what if the Magneto had formed the X-Men. And this is kind of, I think, what is leading into the next issue or two. Okay. Is that I it's think... going to be this what if story of uh, what if Magneto formed the X-Men. Well, I think you're going to get a follow-up to 143. So you'll have a, a follow-up to Kitty's demon story. Really? Because I know that there's a, there's a page out there that he had published uh, like a year ago of Kitty and Colossus walking in the snow a couple months after the events of what we've seen. I think that the next issue is going to be a jump a couple months. And we're going to see that, that moment where they're walking in the snow and, and talking. And we're going to get into the demon storyline, but you're also going to be jumping between that and the subplot with the uh, the what if stories okay. and the watcher. I wish you would just do a story per issue and not this two, three stories at the same time. <laughs> I think that's possible. They're, they're certainly rich enough. But well, we can it, talk about that off mic. Yeah, we, we definitely want to talk about that when we when we do cover the, the issues there. Uh, which will be here uh, in just probably a few short weeks. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Yep. Next, yep. next yep. thing coming up. Well, I am. I, I just finished this this bottle here, and I don't want to open another alcoholic beverage because I might start getting crazy. Yes. The goat shall scream. <laughs> the goat shall scream, and we rejoice. We change subjects. Oh, one last thing I wanted to bring up because I, I just saw this. Is J.J. Abrams is uh, writing a new Spider-Man comic? No, <laughs> developing a sequel, a direct sequel, true sequel to Cloverfield. Ooh, 
Now, the, I, I I hope they don't do it found footage. I hope they do it straight movie style. But I wouldn't mind another giant monster movie, you know, in, in New York or some other large city like that. With, uh, with, with I, that have, kind of I, I have yet to see. Uh, wasn't that John Goodman one part of that universe? The that Ten Cloverfield Lane. Now they made the movie before they decided to make it part of the Cloverfield franchise. Mm-hmm. So they threw in some stuff at the end. Yeah, it's. it's I haven't uh, seen. Is it good? I've heard mixed. It's a good movie. I liked it. I, I liked it, except I didn't kind of like the way it. I, I liked it up until a point, and then yeah, Goodman started. You know, there's certain things changed that I didn't. Mm-hmm. Then it kind of became pretty standard after that. But I think up to that, it was. If they didn't do the twist, I thought I, I would have liked it a lot better. Yeah, the, the mystery or the premise of that movie, right, is you don't know whether he's telling the truth or not about right. there being monsters outside right. of the bomb shelter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But Cloverfield Paradox that uh, premiered on Netflix, um, that was kind of hit and miss, but I, I actually had a lot of fun with it myself. And then, of course, the ending I did was, too. Uh, it was kind of was, odd. Was, yeah. The ending was kind of fun, but, but it, was, it, it was an interesting concept. But wasn't that a film that really wasn't related to Cloverfield? And they kind of slapped the name on it. No, I mean, if, if you look at the end, it was definitely related to yeah. Cloverfield, and probably explains mm. how right. things happened in the first one. Soylent Green is people. Um, but you know, the other thing is that um, it had uh, was it Gugu? I can't pronounce the rest of her name. Gugu in it. And then it also had... Um, oh, yeah, the famous Gugu. Yeah. Uh, Zhang Zai and the gal that played Aisha in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Elizabeth uh, Debicki. And I could probably just watch them, you know, three hours straight eating grapes. I don't know. It's just me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, don't, we don't stand for that kind of language. More and more, we kill back the, uh, the satellite. Oh, it also had Zemo in it. It had, it had Zemo in it, and um, I mean, it had a pretty, it had a very good cast. It was an interesting movie. I mean, you know, there was a concept in there. It was running around. It made me think of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I, I like you. I did like the end of that one. How it was like, <gasps> oh, you know, like yeah. It makes Don't makes spoil it. I haven't seen any of them. I'm yeah, not. That's why I said it was just ah. It was ah. Yeah, uh, I mean, you don't have to watch any of them in any order. So you no. could watch the Cloverfield Paradox right now. You don't have to watch, you know, the 10 Cloverfield Lane. You don't even have to watch it, you know. It's just if you want to see how it ties in, you can watch it and see. You know, that would be very interesting to show those movies to someone in that order, though. The Cloverfield Paradox, have them watch that first. Mm-hmm. Then Cloverfield. And then I think the John Goodman one is set. I don't know. A little bit after, that. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's that kind of a and really the experience. the Goodman one ties in so loosely that you could really skip it. Yeah, I mean it's just more of a, an oddity that you don't really need it, but um, kind of a side story in the Cloverfield universe. Exactly, something like that. Okay, well I'll volunteer to be that subject since I haven't seen any of them. Oh, I have no idea where I'm going to find them. Well, well Cloverfield yeah. Paradox was a Netflix produced. Oh, forget that then. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I don't have Netflix. Where do you live? Yeah, West Virginia. I keep telling you. 
Don't you have squirrels now turning the generators to power your electricity? Well, we, we used to, but we actually, one week ago, had a massive failure on Friday night uh, that took 16 to 18,000 people into the dark oh as we dropped down to 10 degrees. It oh. was like, hurry, guys, <laughs> get the wires connected. So uh, we're actually people were very scared. We're actually talking to Kurt 20 years in the past, so. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what is this Netflix? <laughs> No, no, it's just, uh, you know, I'm sure it's here. It's just uh, my generation of household does not. Wait a minute, I should check with my daughter to see if she's got it in her bedroom. Never mind. Hey, my dad is 67, okay, and he has a subscription to Netflix, Disney Plus, and he's got HBO Max. He must be retired. Yes. Uh huh. Oh, well. That'll do it. I, who wants to take us out? Not me. <laughs> I'll take us out. Since I just, my wife just brought me a brand new drink, so. Oh, I miss nice. Uh, I know. It's Jimmy and Ginger. It's so tasty. Uh, well, I want to thank everyone for listening. If you've hung around this long, then you're a true Third Degree Burn fan or Cocktails and Comics fan. Uh, a, a subsidiary of Third Degree Burn. <laughs> wholly not, not, not wholly owned. Now, wholly start owned. this over again. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the you on. Know, I, 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 I just want to thank everybody for you know for hanging out with us. Uh, thank David for kind of this is his this was kind of his brainchild. So we're I'm gonna give you all the credit for kind of coming up with this concept. So I think so far we're off to a good start. Uh, I want to thank Brian. I want to thank John, and I'm so glad Kirk could finally uh, yeah join us. Great to have All you, right. Kirk. Thanks very and, much. And a tip of the hat and thanks to David for sending us the COVID care package. Oh, That's absolutely. very generous of you. Absolutely. My pleasure. Every few months, I'll try and send you guys some goodies and keep you keep you at least within the last few years of what's happening in the economic <laughs> <Yeah>. world. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, good night, Gracie. Good night. Good night, George. <laughs>
Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gotta get burned at gmail.com that's g-o-t-t-a g-e-t b-y-r-n-e-d at gmail.com drop us a line and tell us how we're doing till next time this has been third degree burn some men aren't looking for anything logical like money they can't be bought bullied reasoned or negotiated with some men just want to watch the world burn